0: All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 122 of the Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots.
1: What's happening? Anything? Pretty quiet weekend. We nice we had kid. A, changed it up. Not too yeah, much. Yeah, not too much. Um, but it was uh it was nice. I was able to catch up with one of my buddies, Matt Brown. He Came mm. in the area and swung by with his girl Liz, and had a that's a lot. full-on commitment. Yeah, a little bite that's to eat. That, eat that's not just a just a high and a goodbye. That's a yeah, yeah it's that's a shift. A, yeah, that's a shift. Uh, but it was great to see him. You know, all the kids were around, and you know, he's just he's Uncle Brownie. You know, you know that's awesome. Doing his thing. I was halfway through the lawn, and I was just like, oh man, you know, <laughs> another thirty-five minutes. I would have been done, but. It was uh, you know, it was great to see him and Liz, and then had a couple town cup games that I hit the coach uh, at the U eighteen level on Sunday, and um, and then Monday had the Thayer Academy golf outing. Nice played, uh, over at Black Rock and Hingham. Able to see catch Beautiful up a lot. Of, yeah, kicked up a lot of uh, old faces that I hadn't seen. Mike Tony came down from Vermont. And Ryan Cox, uh, a couple guys that I played with that I hadn't seen in probably 20 years too, so it was a lot of fun uh, getting out there. Kevin Caulfield was the the chairman, and he, uh, you know, hopped in in his group. Jake Borden and Dan Nigerian Nudge, a little nudgy action. A little
0: nudgy poo.
1: Yeah, some nice action on the golf course, but uh, yeah, it was good to catch up with a lot of people who the funds for financial aid, and um, it was a, it was a great day all around. Then we hopped on the ice. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's awesome. Sounds like a
0: good little, uh, good little weekend. Always great to catch up with Brownie. We're going to get out on the golf course with him this year. Uh, always, uh, always an adventure. Uh, (laughs) and then, um, the fair tournament must've been a blast obviously catch up with former teammates and friends and guys you haven't seen, obviously Torns, uh, you know, they, they got a lot going on with the junior catamounts program up in Vermont. So shout out to him and the rest of the crew up there. That's uh, really getting that off the ground. That'll be, um, it would be great to see what, uh, what goes on and then just continuing to grow the game in Vermont and uh and everything up there. So that's uh that's good. Same thing here, kind of a busy weekend. It was uh Friday, ton of windshield time. Traffic was horrific, dude. Like and I'm talking outrageous Friday. Uh out to Cushing to Marlboro for a for a game. Uh Brian was in the um the CCM high performance thing up in Marlboro. So they had the six the Massachusetts 06s, sixes, sevens, and 08s, eights, three different age groups out there. And uh, so same thing, ran into a ton of good hockey guys. Obviously, Brennan Buckley from BC, Scotty Borick from uh, Merrimack. Who else did I see? Ian Moran, Dave Heimovitz, a uh, bunch of you know, different college scouts and 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 USHL scouts and stuff. So it was good, good hockey, it was great. Uh, a lot of kids that at the 06 age group that I coached were in it which was really cool at one point I think you know they they split the teams uh, uh f- they split into four teams so one of the games there must have been 8 to 10 kids that I coached you know when they were like mites and squirts um into That's peewees cool. and everything yeah which was like it it's rewarding to see the uh progression that go- those guys have made obviously at this point some of the kids are in prep schools um I would say most of them were in prep schools and then, you know, one or two actually out in the USHL playing junior hockey already. So one, one uh, that's up at Bishop Kearney uh, up with the Collins is up in, uh, in the Rochester area. So it's uh, it, it it's cool to see, you know, those guys and there's, you know, college coaches and USHL guys that are there watching them. So really cool, good hockey, good to uh, be in the rink a little bit. So that was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I uh, was able to, you know, catch up with um with a bunch of hockey guys up there like I said I had my father take the ride up with me a couple days and uh it was all all good and then just uh street hockey lacrosse the usual the usual nonsense you know but it's it's nice the nice weather's here I did squeeze in before I went to Mar- Marlborough on um on Saturday a nice good lawn mow I was definitely missed it by a week it was overgrown. I had to go over it a couple times, but you would have been proud. I battled. I was grinding. The lawnmower was shutting off, you know, <laughs> running over hockey pucks in the yard, running over balls. And, you know, I was after instructing the kids to go out and make sure everything was picked up, yeah. um, ran over a mini hockey stick, a <laughs> um, couple dog number twos. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was plenty of those. So they, yeah, that was the instructions. Kids go outside, make sure all the dog, uh, dog craps picked up and all the balls and pucks and all that stuff that just goes flying everywhere. And, um, the percentage rate for them was, was, was not very good. I was, you know, I, head on a swivel, like, you know, I was trying to maintain some good awareness out there in the yard. And, and so I wasn't stepping on any poop and that stuff can be good fertilizer too. So yeah. Or at least that's what, I try to tell myself, um, but nothing worse than stepping in. So I, I was doing all right, avoided some landmines. Obviously, a couple pucks were sacrificed. Um, no golf balls, which was good because usually those can fly through a window or something like that. I've had that happen before. And uh, But you would have been proud. I, I'm actually surprised that Joanna didn't snipe a pitcher and send it to you um, You know, just to kind of – show that I was actually putting in some manual labor.
1: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, some of those pucks look like, you know, some of the kids stick handling, making them square. Exactly.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe I didn't even run over them. They were just, just – the, the
1: kids just beat them up. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. And, and this is the nice weather where the, everything's getting green. The one thing that I do, uh, you know, want to complain about a little bit is the allergies. Man, like I woke up a bunch of days – uh, recently, and they started getting the claritin in me. In me, but eyes, you know, getting puffy, you know, mm. little, little scratchy throat, cough. I mean, I, I used to get them really bad, and just kind of battle through it. But um, the last few days have been really, really tough. So,
0: my advice to that, and knock on wood, mine haven't been too bad. But I usually start the process early. Yeah. A little, so uh,
1: preparation, I like it.
0: Yeah, like. I usually will start taking something in, you know, call it what month are we in March? So say like beginning of April. No, I'm sorry. We're in May. Uh, Beginning of April, you know, mid-March, start getting that in you and then it's going to help you out. This year, I didn't do it and and I've been okay, but typically I have in the past and that was probably just because there was no like leftovers from last year and I didn't find them in my Medicine cabinet, and right, yeah, you know, just didn't take them. But,
1: um, you see a truck, like you know, you got a black truck, and it just looks green, you know, yeah, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, give it a little car tubby, and then all of a sudden it's green, you know, the next couple days. But, yeah, it's speaking of a- car tubs,
0: dude, not to cut you off, so I was so rattled. So, on Sunday, I got out early, Colin was um, ref a couple roller hockey games. Uh, which is a great little league. So he, the, he had the little guys like the 8- and 10-year-old age group. So he was doing that in South Boston over at Moakley Park. And I get out to Marlboro early with Brian and my father. I'm like, I don't have time. Like, let's just get a car wash, right? So the car was disgusting. Like I said, I was in Boston, Marlboro, Ashburnham. Like, the road, I, you know, it was just – um windshield just splatter everywhere you know what i mean i just killing bugs that looked like basically bats and um i got i went into the uh car wash dude these bugs that i was hitting was so embedded in like my windshield that it still looks it looks like i didn't even go through the car wash
1: Uh, i was so
0: disappointed
1: but it was one of those cut out and scrape them
0: dude I, it was one of those like self-serve ones where you didn't have oh, yeah. the guys doing the towels at the end like it was kind
1: of my fault squeezed the money
0: but i was in you know wherever like the Marlboro area some some town i yeah it's like there goes that 22 bucks just right out the window but at least it it did get the pollen off
1: yeah that's the one thing i mean during the winter you get the salt and the sand off and then Get the pollen. Those car washes like these times of year.
0: Oh, yeah. A payday. You got morons like me. Just donation. 20 bucks. Sit there. Yeah, Sit no, there that in that your car wasn't. while your car's getting a half a wash. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, uh, On to the hockey stuff. Uh, I guess the NHL stuff. So, we're down to four teams as we record this. Uh, the Panthers are playing the Hurricanes and then Dallas and Vegas. Um the reason why I brought it up, like talk about like look at these teams and the growth of the 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 hockey market. I mean sorry to our friends up in Canada yet again. What's it been twenty five years or something? Yeah, been a while. Canadians. Yeah, poor Canadian teams. But I mean this is great to see the growth of you know the, the game of hockey in the U S you got these Southern markets obviously with the, you know, Florida, Carolina, Dallas, Vegas, and it's really, you know, I think in terms of growth of the game and non-traditional markets, it's, it's excellent. So what are your thoughts
1: on it? Yeah. I mean, you've, you've talked about it in, in the past about some of these non-traditional markets having strong youth programs
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and developing players because, you know, some of the players that have played in those markets stay and want to be involved in the youth, and whether it be their kids or just being part of programs and whatnot. So you, you're starting to see this, you know, evolution of of players. You know, it, it started from a grassroots. You had the pockets here and there, but the traditional markets would you know, in Minnesota, Massachusetts, you know, Wisconsin, you know, the, the areas that are cold pretty much. Right. Um, you would have um, – a lot of players and now it's it's balanced uh, throughout because of the expansion of the nhl and they've done a good job at you know identifying markets and you know putting some resources behind it so it, i think it's good for the game um unfortunately like some of the teams that had re- very good regular seasons didn't make it through to where they would like to be but it's a opportunity for these other clubs to you know, continue that, you know, the growth of the fan base. And, you know, winning always breeds, um, you know, more participation at the youth level or success. You know, you just it, – it's just one of those kind of cycles. And, you know, uh, you know, like Florida has – not one, they went to the cup finals in, I think it was 96. Yeah. A while back, yeah. And – um, wow. um Raptors you know,
0: were everywhere, raining from the raft.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and, and Vegas being – relatively new franchise it's it's great so and carolina has you know had their success but you know they're one of the markets that you know kind of gets lost in the shuffle and they've been really really good you know yeah. uh, you know led by coach brindamore Moore what are your uh th- predictions here i actually like uh i like it's going to be a very good um series but florida in that series they are playing with a lot of confidence believability you know they're they're healthy. They're getting some decent goaltending, um, and they just have, you know, a very confident style of play going. You know they could get burnt, you know, with some, a little bit more structure. And you know, you know, uh, Toronto didn't have as much structure, but Carolina is going to be a tough task. But I do believe that they can, you know, um, push through. And it's going to be, I think, it's going to go seven. But yeah, that's going to be a absolute war. Yeah, uh, and then on the in the West. I would say Vegas is it's gonna be another tight series because you know there's a lot of familiarity between the two teams. DeBoer being in Vegas, you know, prior. Yeah, crazy know, Stevens being in Dallas before that, you know, in Vegas now. Um so say personnel, they're gonna know, you know, a lot of tendencies and kind of like what is expected of players or, or what is what to expect, I should say. And then um, you know, I think that's gonna go deep but I think Vegas is going to pull that one out as well. Yeah, no, they're going to be great series. I'm, I'm so
0: bad at picking these things, but I, I, I like your picks. And if you said that, um, you know, it was going to be Carolina and Dallas, I'd probably agree with you too. like <laughs> you make a compelling argument for both, but they, it really is going to be great hockey. And it's kind of cool to see the uh, little family reunion with the uh, Star brothers, obviously uh, Mark and Eric being down with the Panthers and Jordan and, um, with the uh hurricanes okay. i mean that's I, I wonder how many times that's that's that that has happened um you know even yeah, just yeah, two yeah. right even two brothers playing against each other probably not much probably you know maybe back in the in the older days i can't the recall set, the sutters probably oh know. yeah probably yeah for sure but, but having like be a good them, trivia so.
1: question for yeah. some of our listeners to chime in or an answer to a trivia question
0: there you go, there you go. But it is cool. Obviously, all three of those guys have been around the game for a long time. Obviously, Eric was a long time captain of Carolina. He was there when they won the cup. Um, I mean, God, how many years ago was that? What was that about two thousand six? Yeah. Um, you know, so so then and then now, Jordan's the captain there, and Mark's obviously been around. Keith played with Mark and. Uh, in new york and loves the guy and actually play with eric there too and just great hockey family obviously Witt and those guys were really tight with jordan when he was um you know he was a high pick i think he was four by uh pittsburgh and uh you know what was he's just like a you know classic power forward shut down guy um like a
1: mismatch guy too though he can be in right. a power play and and that's what i always said about him jordan yeah you would have malkin and crosby and the in the middle, and then you would have him, where he could shut down a opposing team's line, or he could generate offense. Mm-hmm. So if you're putting your top four, you know, D out against those top two lines, and then he's playing against a five six, he can really be a factor. And he's still doing it to this day. He's he's a very effective player.
0: No, big time. Uh, so, what yeah, it's kind of. Did have say?
1: like two more brothers or just one more brother, I think? One more brother
0: who I know um, was coaching at one. I think he's coaching down in the East Coast League. Um, So
1: what do the parents say? Hey, you want to come over and watch your brothers play? Like, oh, yeah. You know, is, is that a tough like? Well, I think maybe they're just going to. They're over it. Yeah, they're over he's it. over it.
0: I think he's coaching, and and, and he's had some success. Oh, um, nice,
1: nice. Yeah, we can make, um, what's just, his uh, name? I think he was drafted by Phoenix. Yeah, I um, I was just thinking. You know, there was, I think, six Sutter brothers that played in the league, and there Jared, was just one, Jared Stoll. Oh yeah, yeah, he did play. Yeah, uh, yeah, he played he a little him. bit. Yeah.
0: I think you might be. I think he's. I want to say he's coaching or something. Probably good research on this one. You know, right? Just throw him.
1: I think he was down in Florida coaching. Um, but yes, there were six Sutter brothers and the seventh was he didn't make the league and you know, they all worked on the farm. And you know, it's like uh, you know, you could definitely kinda give it to him if, if he starts lipping off. You know, right. What, what right. do you do in the winter? Yeah, but he held down the fort he yeah. held down the farm. Good you know. point.
0: He 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 kept things tight at home. It, uh, my quick search here says he's um, Jared Stall is the assistant coach for the AHL Charlotte Checkers. Oh, nice. Yeah, so not bad. He's close to the NHL. No, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just one step below. Always great. been a step behind. I know the feeling,
1: Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A great hockey family, though. You know, and oh, big uh, time. It'll be uh, interesting to see how it, you know, how it
0: all shakes out. No, it will be. Uh, since we last talked, obviously Chicago uh, ended up with the first pick overall. Obviously, the uh, the clear Conor sweeps sweepstakes they've won. So, kind of interesting. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, I would say Patrick Kane is going to want to sign back there. Ooh. Um. Yeah. So I just think that you know, it's. It's good, you know. Anaheim would have been, you know, there are second, you know, first loses really, right? And, uh, yeah, I mean,
0: it's, which happened back in the day with off um, too when they got him, right? Right.
1: So they have come, and uh, I, I mean, it's it's a pretty deep, you know, top fifteen, you know, yeah. say, you know, for talent, um, but to get you know, Bedard and he could be a franchise changing type player. Oh um, yeah. You know, that's, that was a big bounce of the balls for, for, um, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you yes, mind
0: <laughs> yes, it was. No, it's cool. And like you said, there's a, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of talent in that top, you know, you get, uh, what's his name, Fantilli and and bunch of guys. I know there's a Russian that's in the mix, too, but there's, uh, talking to some scouts, I think they said the top eight to ten picks are, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty high, high-end talent. It, it, it's fun to look at that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, five or ten years from now, and see the the, the swings and misses, and see who uh, was a little bit of a late bloomer and stuff. I like looking at the. Uh, I love going down those rabbit holes of drafts and being like, "Wow, so and so was a fifth round pick, and you know, this guy was in the top ten, and he never did anything." So, yeah, like that. It's, uh, it's 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 unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and Will Smith, the local kid. Uh, yep, the U eighteen team. Um, he's going to be a, a high pick. Really good mm-hmm. player. I watched him, you know, coached against him from when he was in Mites. So it's really uh, fun to, you know, have someone that you know and, you know, you know, great family. Um, going to BC. His sister's at BC. Dad went to BC, so there's, uh, you know, a couple Eagles in that house, but, yeah, we'll be rooting for him during that, uh, during the draft. Go as high as we Speaking can to Speaking of a team.
0: BC, Mott, so, I uh, I ran into your boy, Scott Mutrin, up at uh, up at Marlboro, and he was talking about your glove. Do you have oh, just yeah. an
1: awful glove for softball? Yeah, it's my old baseball glove. <laughs> like I, I didn't get you a know, new new glove to play softball. Oh, maybe you should is, have a shit of jersey would have. I restrung it with a hockey maybe lace. Maybe we'll talk
0: to the guys at Franklin and see if we can hook you up with a new <laughs> mitt, please.
1: Yeah, so it's restrung with a hockey lace, and he's like, what oh. is this thing? jesus has a great pocket but like if it's coming in hot it stings you know yeah yeah
0: you like and to don't feel want to that an, pain though
1: yeah i don't want to be that guy wearing a and glove underneath the glove you know
0: yeah but, that's a soft look but sometimes you, you you do see it in softball i said i'm like i might have to make a cameo this year down in uh at the softball league oh, yeah i'm like if you need a you know a guy to hit maybe a blooper over the second baseman's uh head and you know hang
1: out and and dig it out. You, you're a guy who's sliding and stuff.
0: Yeah, I'll leg it out, and then I'll be a good bench guy. I'll bring the seeds and whatever else needs to be brought to the bench. You know, perfect. Uh, yeah. But no, it was yeah. good actually catching up with. Him. I had never met him, and we were talking. To, you know, we had some we had some laughs and everything. He's a great uh, guy. Yeah. yeah, both of his, you know, two of his boys are out there playing at the uh, 07 and 08 division.
1: Yeah, he's a He was a great athlete, like number one recruit coming out of uh, Ohio, and uh, played quarterback at BC and. His his boys, uh, big strong power forwards, and they have a big bright future ahead of them for sure. Yeah, they do. And he's an avid range listener. He is.
0: So shout out to him. Yeah. You know, football yeah. guy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, actually, no. And we were t- <laughs> we were talking about the time when you uh, when they that they walked the guy in front of you uh, to to, <laughs> to pitch to you. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's always great to laugh when you're not there. You know what I mean? To get some chuckles. But you said you stepped up. You yeah. said you delivered. You got the runs in. Base is clearing. Hobie yeah. what as they as they walk in the uh the guy in front of
1: you. Yeah, no respect. <laughs> a different sport, but uh. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh
0: uh pretty cool story I saw today about uh Crosby down in the Bahamas. I think of you know family, a dad, uh dad, you know, a family was on vacation. They were in the Bahamas, they uh, you know, Pittsburgh fans. Dad looked over. Sorry, uh, you know Crosby sitting there with his girlfriend, enjoying themselves. He he was like, "I'm not going to bother him." But uh, lo and behold, his daughter walked over, and um, and he uh, did. You see this story, and and you know, I guess Sid was uh, was super generous with his time. Talked to the daughter, autographed, took a picture with the whole family and everything. So really cool. And then I guess the the bill came, and uh, and number eighty seven had picked up the the, the tabs too. So. A uh, pretty good. cool story, and just uh, you know the the culture of these hockey guys. Uh, we can't say enough good things about them, and a lot of you know you don't hear a lot of stories like that, but it happens all the time in the hockey world. With it, just down to earth people and people that will you know literally not be bothered while they're sitting there on vacation. I'm not saying to, to to go up and heckle them, but you know to a guy to stop while he's with his significant other on on a vacation is um, really cool in my eyes. Yeah. And In I, a memory that that little, you know, the young hockey player is never going to forget.
1: Yeah. And he's, he's just a, he's a gentleman. He's a, fa- he's the face of the NHL. He has been for a long time and he takes on, to, on that role. And, you know, some guys who might not be as high profile won't, won't do the same things, which is interesting. You know, it goes back to character. He's a high character, high compete, you know, high skill player, but he's, uh, he's a better person. And, um, I saw another story with uh, some pen- penguins and some uh, Justin Thomas and some other fellas at a restaurant, and they were going back and forth, like, you know, give a bottle of wine, and then they were sending over, like, shots of warm water, like, salted rims. They were sending back, like, 2% milk, and then they ended up hooking up later and playing flip cup. No way. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, like, they they had, like, rented, like, houses near each other, and they are like, across the, the street from one another. Um... I guess Justin Thomas went on this podcast and told the story. And he's a big hockey fan and big Pittsburgh fan. So it was it was pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, before we get to our interview, I I had a uh another note. So obviously you and I could both afford to lose, you know, 15, 20 pounds. Um, but I saw a, a post about Sergey Bobrovsky in game five losing, you know, like twenty plus pounds. Did you ever play with anybody that was like that? I remember hearing a stories about js uh Jiguer, he used to he was a guy like that with that would just drop a ton of weight during a game but did you ever play with anybody like that or, or you know no, i know no. i've been hitting you know sean's gay uh train heroic app but i still haven't dropped the 20 never mind in one three hour game
1: yeah um no one really jumps out and you know, i can speak personally like i would just crush a ton of water throughout like you know when getting to the rank and you know, or whatever, and I I got on the scale one time, and it was it was like twelve twelve uh, pounds difference. Mm-hmm. Where you just sweat it out. So a lot of players probably. So you like, weighed yourself like before the game and after the game. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Just just to see because they just you know you don't want to get bloated, but you also want to be really hydrated and stay on it. You want to be hydrated before you go out there. Right. So I'd always like my indicator was if my uh, my pee was clear after warmups. You know, so I it was just kind of like my timing of it. So I wasn't having to go to the bathroom and during the game. So uh yeah, I think it's pretty typical, but 20 pounds is a lot. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, but those guys have a lot more equipment on, like moving that never have to never have a shift off, meaning like they're not sitting on the bench kind of just resting there. And it depends on how many shots, how much activity in the in the uh D zone there is. So it doesn't surprise me, but that that does seem uh, my 20s a lot. And it's not like he
0: can just skate off the ice and go for a quick bathroom break <laughs> like you could have if, if that was a, you know, if you had to hose. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I think he, yeah. he's
1: going to let the valve go a little bit.
0: Let's <laughs> see, so you really got the so cup for anyways, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, that's funny. I, I was wondering if you had played with anybody that was significant like that because that's wild. And he's like a skinny dude anyways. Like, I've yeah. I've seen him in, in the rank and stuff. Um, he's not – it's not like – I remember picturing J.S. Jaguer was a bigger guy, goalie. Like, you know, he just – I never met him, but he looked like he was, you know, a big, thick guy and maybe had a little little ski on him. Um, but jage is like – you know, he looks like the type of guy that's probably like five percent body fat or less like he looks like a skinny guy so never mind you know after that um after dropping 20 he probably looks like he's ethiopian or something yeah and just
1: leaning out i i mean that's something that maybe i should yeah. throw I, the goalie pads on yeah <laughs> i was gonna say just walk around the house <laughs> go to work in, my, in some goalie gear just work all day just sitting at the, the office. The mask on uh, and turn out. the turn the heat up and heat up on the truck
0: and just be wearing goalie equipment
1: <laughs> and get that sweat band like you know so it doesn't drip into my eyes. Oh, that thing's nasty that goalies wear well it's I'm gross. typing on the
0: computer. Yeah. yeah well, dude, like, you just like, gotta get on a workout program. I've been, you know, I'm getting my push ups in, getting my workouts in. I was getting the kettlebells going today. I'm like, are you gonna be clean? a
1: CrossFit guy soon?
0: No, 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 no. no like I <laughs> said. Sean um Sean hooked me up, right? I'm a, he's got sent me the app. I think it it's train heroic. He, dude, he can send it to you. Yeah. And like just you just gotta start. You gotta start somewhere.
1: Maybe it's with the goalie pads on. That's what I'm saying. I just drop a few <laughs> with the goalie pads and we'll start there. Start there. Uh all right. Well, We
0: were, um, we got a great interview on tap here. Brian Gianta joined us. Uh, absolutely awesome interview, Mots. You know, why don't you speak more about him as we uh, go into this thing? Um, but before we do, let's talk about Sparks Hockey. Uh, this interview is brought to you by Sparks Hockey, the at home or on the road skate shopping machine. Head on over to sparkshockey.com. Use the code BYMOTS for $50 off your Sparks sharpener. Sparks is the at-home skate sharpening machine that will never fail. Sparks is that gift that keeps on giving, right? Spring, summer, thats always hockey season. It's convenient, easy to use, and will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, you get an accurate shopping, sharpening every single time. Again, head to SparksHockey.com. Order your machine today.
1: Yeah, we can't speak highly enough about the, the machine. I was talking about it again the other day. This is a good time to get it, get your wheels going for those uh skills and you know, summer skates that you'll be doing. Um, that's uh, sparkshockey.com. And um, again, it never fails. It's convenient and easy, and we love it. So make sure you check them out at sparkshockey.com. What do you say, March? You want to
0: talk about uh Gianta a little bit? You wanna wait till after the interview?
1: Yeah, you know, we'll uh, we'll let him go and you know, we can we can chat him up after, but uh yeah, Brian Gionta, one of the best uh, guys and teammates and players that I played with. All right, and now time for Brian Gionta. In our next guest on the Ring Shrinks podcast, a veteran of 1,026 NHL games with New Jersey, Montreal, Buffalo, and Boston, a BC fellow Eagle, drafted number 82 overall by New Jersey in uh, round three of the 1998 NHL draft, brian gianta thanks and uh welcome to the podcast my man
2: thanks boys appreciate it it's been a while uh it's been a long time coming trying to get it done so it's nice to finally get out here and uh talk about some stuff
0: yeah no brian we're excited to have you and obviously i mean i grew up a boston kid so and i'm a few years behind you uh you guys but you know being on the screen here with with Motts and brian gianta this is like you know a dream come true for me so uh not to be that guy but this is uh is cool stuff obviously you guys were you know watching your games growing up being you know i was that high school kid that kind of looked up to you guys the same age as your brother uh steven so it's uh you know nice to finally meet you and we're excited about this conversation because uh you know we've obviously tracked your career for a long time and you and Mott's played together so it's this is going to be a blast
2: yeah, it'll be fun. But do I got to do a Boston accent or can I just use my <laughs> normal voice? So I got to like... No, you, you can try it gotta... <laughs> you, can, you can slide into it. It's all, all right. right. All
0: Anytime right. you want to make Been fun a- of mots, you can do so.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you know it's coming right back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and believe me, have at me as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we really appreciate you coming on, my man. And, uh, you know, let's just start out, you know, like we talked to a lot of our guests about where, um, you know, they fell in love with the game, really. Uh, who was some of the influences? Who got you started? You know, what were, the, were some of the first experiences that you had with ice hockey?
2: Well, I started way back, obviously being Western New York, the winters are long and hard. And so my mom actually is the one who can skate. My dad can't skate a lick. Like he can't put, he he cannot be on the ice at all. Like if he comes on it's straight boots, like he'll come on the outdoor rink with the grandkids and, He's in his boots but he's i don't think he's ever put a pair of skates on he can't skate at all so my mom set us up with skating lessons me and my brothers and uh we just fell in love from there and just it it continued on and it was way different back in the day right so there's no social media the games weren't even on tv so you had to go to the rink and we had the Amherst in town the rochester Amherst, and uh that's kind of where we where we fell in love right like uh the buffalo sabres uh, minor league team. We went to all the games, playing knee hockey in the hallways, things like that, and uh, hanging over the boards, trying to get a stick back in the day. Um, we did it all. And so that's where we fell in love with the game. And uh, all those old guys that uh, were there, I appreciate uh, what they did because you never forget when you're handed a puck or a stick at a game. And I think I carried that throughout my career, that feeling that you can give to a kid. So uh, I love that.
0: Oh, that's unbelievable, especially those early years. And, and you know, we were fortunate enough to grow up, like I said at the beginning, of you know, to have college hockey, but we all remember those memories. And you can make such an impact, and that's really cool that you kind of took that throughout your career and flipping kids' pucks and and things like that. You talked about, you know, growing up and your mom being kind of the, the, the driving force, and obviously your dad uh, was supporting. But what was the family dynamic like? Uh, I know, obviously, your, your brother Steve and I played against him a lot growing up and then in college – but what was the, uh, the ages and all that stuff of all the siblings?
2: Yeah. So I have an older brother, Joe, who's, uh, three years older than I am. And then my younger brother, Steven, he's five. So five years younger than I am. So I was right in the middle, super competitive, three boys, all played hockey, all played sports. Uh, you name it. We were a nightmare for my parents, right? Like fighting and brawling and uh coming in and complaining about each other it was street hockey knee hockey it was any sport uh basketball it just turned into a brawl right so um but it, it built us uh, to what we are and we we all played uh you know travel hockey so thinking back the nightmare that my parents had like we we're pretty close in age and running around youth hockey rinks and trying to get to different cities uh now dealing with it, my kids, it's uh you get an appreciation for what your parents do for you then and uh you're doing it now. You're paying it back uh to your kids.
1: And you touched on that, you know, with about your parents, but Sam and Penny are like two of a kind, like they're you know, unbelievable people, number one, and you know, great parents and talking about, you know, your upbringing and what they provided for you, but you know, being able to know them personally and you know, being from Rochester, Dad had you know a hardware shop, but he never missed a game. Can you talk about like just the you know you touched on, it, but like the commitment from mom and dad at an early age, and then all the way through, like even into pro, but like more at BC when where I was able to.
0: Stay. Did you guys used to have like a van
1: too or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: all right. it was really? such a creepy van.
0: That like, just popped into my head when we were talking <laughs> about the parents, and I remember being in Saint Cloud for like select sixteens or seventeens. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's Brian Gianta's dad's van. We're like, oh, that's, that's, (laughs) (laughs) there must be a lot of miles on that thing.
2: Yeah. I think by the end of it, when he like finally got rid of it, it was like, I want to say it was like four or 500,000 miles on it, just crushed it.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. It was
2: insane. And uh, like, so, my dad owned a hardware store he owned like their ace hardwares back in the day just small mom and pop and he had anywhere between one and three going at at different times growing up and that was uh you know like any small business right like you have good years and you have bad years and so uh they tried to insulate us from from those times right and um you know he had the luxury of being able to kind of get away and set his schedule and um, but super dedicated and doing things that I couldn't even imagine doing. Uh he would drive up he, he was he never missed a college game. So we'll start there. Like every college game, no matter home or away, he was at it for me and my my younger brother Steven. So um I think I, I might take that back. He might have missed Stevens when I was at the Olympics or something like that. Like something crazy was the only reason he missed. And so he would go come. give him a pass on that. Yeah, it's not yeah. bad, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's overseas. Yeah. We'll um, give him a you pass on that one. So he would, it would be, you know, your random Wednesday or Thursday game. And it'd be the one game of the week or even take the for St. Lawrence. For that matter. Yeah. Like it would be anywhere. If it was in Boston, he would come go to the game, go to dinner with me after the game. Like he wouldn't rush off. And then he'd be leaving Boston at like 11 o'clock at night to head back to Roch, which is a six hour drive, basically drive home, sleep for an hour and then go open up the store at eight o'clock in the morning. Like, and this was all the time. And this was, you know, a Sunday after a a weekend stint, he would come back, uh, spend the you know hour or two sleeping right back to the shop, get into there working, open it up, get it going. And then, you know, Probably sneak off the office and take a nap or two but like that's just like he was up and did it and that's what he was doing for his kids and for his family so um and and he never they they both my parents right like youth talk he's expensive travel is expensive and uh you know like I said there's good good years and bad years and during those bad years we were driving out to Colorado we we're driving out to St. Cloud um you know and for us we were staying in dorms or whatever at the camps we were at. Find out 10 years later, he was sleeping in the van, you know, because he was trying to save money um, because it was just one of those years. And so those are the things that as you get older, you really appreciate, you know, what people do for you to put you in a position to live your dream. And so everyone has those stories and, I, you know, anyone that's there, everyone that's able to do it. Has stories like that because you can't do it alone. Like you need the support. You need someone uh, doing it for you at some point throughout your career.
1: Yeah, those are pretty special stories, and I'm not sure too many people's parents slept in a van down by the river. You know, (laughs) yeah, for for you to be able to. uh,
2: You know, we threw (laughs) an old old carpet down in the back, and it was a creepy van. Like it had no windows. It was black. Like you you were like. Yeah, it was creepy. Yeah, like you
0: a of and Matt in the Foley trucking into <laughs> Northeastern for a home at home this
2: weekend. Yeah.
0: Well you talk about it and that just it, it, it sums you up and, and you know I can speak about your brother as well, right? That like you guys were that work ethic was ingrained in you, right? And you saw that competitiveness no matter how skilled you were, no matter no no matter how many goals you scored, like you never lost that your entire career and but I want to you know bring it back right to like what was the youth hockey experience like for you guys uh growing up in that Rochester area was it a lot of travel or was it like that you know localized type stuff I know you eventually went on and played in the Wee Quebec tournament and all that stuff
2: yeah so youth hockey back in the day there was one travel team in Rochester that's it like it was uh we played in a league in Buffalo Buffalo probably had five six triple-A teams at the time. The travel isn't what it is nowadays. Um, Mm -hmm. You go to some tournaments. um, The majority of the travel came in as you started to progress, 15, I would say 15, 16. uh, And mostly it was USA camps, right? Like uh, Rochester Amherst, Junior Amherst I played for. We didn't – it was all local um, stuff. You go to a tournament here and there in Boston, but the world was a much – yeah, it was a, a lot
0: different, that's for sure. Yeah.
2: So I, I'd say come 15, 16, I played for the Syracuse Stars uh, my freshman year in high school and then went on to play junior after that. And junior was uh, one year, it was just a junior B league in Rochester. And then um, it was junior A tier two, uh, Niagara Scenics, which is now the Buffalo Junior Sabres, which plays in the Ontario Junior League. Um, and that's before I went to BC. That leads me up to it. So it was strictly triple A until about fourteen, fifteen, a year in Syracuse. Um, and then a couple years of junior and then off to BC.
0: Was that Syracuse like with the Timmy Conleys and Merle- yeah, Merle- <laughs> Merle- 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 of the Merle- World? Oh
2: TC. yeah. We had a good yeah. team. We went to Nationals. We had a we had a really, really good team. I mean TC's yeah. what? Two two, three years younger than we are, right? Like me and Merle's, and that kid was nasty back then, so.
0: Yeah, he was a great player in the NHL. I mean, what a set yeah. of mitts on that kid. Oh,
2: man. <laughs> he, he missed his error. Like, if he was playing nowadays, oh, whew, no. the hands he has, like, who way so different for him.
1: Yeah, and uh, in that league, though, that was a very competitive league, and we'll get into, the, like, the BC time, but you're playing with, uh, you know, future, you know, Eagle as well, Jeff Farkas. He was a year ahead, yeah. um, but Dana Zubris was in that league, correct?
2: Yeah, Zubris was he, in there. You got
1: drafted in the first round out of that league.
2: Out of that league, it's insane, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and then so we like, like we you played with Zubi in in uh, New Jersey, right? Yeah, we there, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we were there. So yeah, like it's insane that. You know, we're, what, 16, 17-year-old kids in that league, and this kid's getting drafted out of it. We're like, holy crap, what's going on? Yeah, like, he was a
1: beast back then, though. Went and played
2: for Philly. I think he went and played in playoffs. Like, right after we, like, lost out to those guys in playoffs in the OJ, like, he was playing for Philly in the playoffs. I was like, what is even... going on?
1: Yeah, he's, like, the youngest player, you know, to ever play for Philly. Yeah. And he could come out of that league, you know, so, like, I mean, I know the landscape has changed a bunch, but – you know, good players are good players, and you were playing up against some really quality talent before you went to BC.
2: Yeah, and, I, you know, I had, like you said, Farka uh, was huge for me, right? Um, local, somewhat local kid down the road. Um, BC kind of showing the ropes there, and, um, you know, I'm sure that's – it helped, right? Having Farkas there and and Yorkie going to watch his games, uh, there's spillover, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. anytime you're getting viewed um, – is going to be a good thing. And so, you know, even if your teammates committed, I think there's a a huge misconception nowadays. People are like, get all bent out of shape or they get real jealous of their, their teammate committing, but what they don't understand is that's a really good thing for you yourself as well, because that's going to get you more views in front of people. Cause you know, that coach, the assistant coaches, people are watching him play and now, in turn they're gonna watch you play. So like it's an opportunity for you to be seen too. No,
0: that's oh, that's man. an that's an unbelievable message. And it's it's so true. You can, you know, and you capitalize on those opportunities is uh is is really, really big and it's a great message to send to all of our listeners. Um what about the, you know, obviously, you know, you you're following your career, but you know, you're an enter the NHL in college, like you're an undersized guy. Like did that play a factor? Like how do you think that, you know, I guess Uh, growing up did it help you did it hurt you like where did you where do you assess it because you know all kids are different right kids that grow at different ages but what was your experience like being kind of an undersized guy uh, as you grew up
2: yeah I was I was always undersized I was never that kid that developed early like kind of sprouted up to five seven and never grew from there I -hmm. was always undersized all growing up Um, I listen I think it helped me I, I don't it, it it hurt at times, no doubt. Um, you you weren't given the uh, the first look, or you weren't uh, picked first. But eventually, you know, like I think the tenacity around it, the the chip on your shoulder, whatever, you, however you want to phrase it, I had to go out and prove myself every time I stepped on the ice, and so that allowed me to have a a good career in the NHL. Is because every time I stepped on the ice there was still something to prove. And, you know, it's people ask me all the time, like, when did you start to feel comfortable? And I don't know, it was five, six years into my NHL career before I was finally like I made it like before you could sit back and be like, Hey, I'm in the show. Like I'm, I'm here playing. it was just like every day trying to prove that you could stay, that you could last. There's a much different league, um, pre, 2005 lockout, you know, mm-hmm. so it was a lot going on. Um before my first four years in the league were were pretty tough. Uh and it was just about staying in the league.
1: Yeah, so um Brian came on my radar. We we're out in Colorado, so there's a U sixteen national team that was picked, and then there was two like U 17 teams. Like I was on the scrub team, and you know, the, the good team went and played in a tournament. And uh coming coming we,
2: from a Hobie Baker winner, right? yeah. like, Come on, <laughs> a year later he's, he's on yourself, the world yeah, junior exactly. team. Exactly, no big deal. Like, come but
1: on, we uh we he ended was up, on the JV U17 <laughs> team, <I was>. right? <laughs> but we scrimmaged these guys out at Air Force, like I think two or three games, and I'm like, who is this little midget running around thinking the, you know whatever? I couldn't catch him, number one, to like really tee him up. And there was this one thing. Like, we had to have journals. I wish I still had. I would write. A, I mean, I would read <laughs> about it uh, right now. Like, what I said. But what happened was, um you know, I made a pass. uh Forward didn't get it out. D kept it in. And he just was creeping behind the net. Like, hiding, you know, behind, like, the post or whatever. And I got up too high. You know, shot to the net. He just does something in front and buries the puck. And over time, I'm like, this, mm <laughs> I, I wasn't was a big fan of Brian Gianto. <laughs> uh, and it was I,
2: overtime monster? Yeah, oh, we, we
1: played overtime. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, you fast forward and you know I, I hear that he's coming to BC and I was pumped because number one, you know, you guys were talking about. You didn't about, want to play against him anymore. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. But undersized, but n- like never put himself in a position, even at that age, um, you know, to really get hit. It's not like he avoided contact. It was more awareness. So he was a couple steps ahead. And so I'm just speaking to what you know, I saw, G, from, from my point of view, because I couldn't get to you. Certain guys couldn't get to you. Um, and then that just allows you to play better uh, offensively, defensively, and then also protect yourself. And that's what we try to talk about on the podcast here is about awareness, awareness, awareness. And we had uh, Colin Graff um, on who was an undersized kid and freshman year, and then, you know, he's he's playing really well for Quinnipiac now, but it's like he was very aware so he could protect himself. You know, you're a little bit more stocky, and, you know, you had some strength and some good balance. You could absorb a hit, but ultimately, like, you were aware of what people wanted to do defensively against you, you know, steps ahead, and I, you, know, you carry that all the way through your whole career.
2: Well, I think you need to be, and I think that's part of this skill set that we're losing nowadays in the game right the reading the react the, the putting yourself in a bad position um, to, to get blown up right like it's we grew up in a different era so I, I can't speak to it but if you cut to the middle you were taking your life in your own hands right so you you knew where everyone was on the ice at all times and you you had to you had to know what was going on you had to count the guys you had to see where guys should be. Um, and where where maybe they're going to catch you where they're unexpected, because it, everyone who's who's a top end player growing up. Someone's wanting to take your head off. Someone's trying to run you. Someone's trying to prove themselves against you. And so you have to have that extra little bit of awareness. Otherwise, you're putting yourself in a bad position, a dangerous position. So I was lucky. I, I never thought of myself as as small um i just went out and played the game that i knew how to play um but certainly in tight you had some advantages and so you had to play to that advantage right you didn't want to get at arm's length you didn't want to be caught in open ice um if i was going to be in a battle it it needed to be along the boards or in tight on a guy's hands because i wasn't going to I could get underneath him, right? I could get underneath his hands. I could get underneath his leverage, but it also didn't put me in a position to get kind of teed up for it. Uh, Cause you're in so tight. It's almost like a boxer, right? You're in tight. You're not going to get blown up. You get in that awkward spot. That's when you're going to get hurt. And so you're always trying not to put yourself in those positions.
0: No, it's an excellent point. And uh, you know, it's, so valuable for sure. And that that body contact and things like that, I, you know, we talk about it all the time, the hockey sense. And, and you know, there's so many things like, you know, people stick handling around cones and jumping over hoops and all that type of stuff. And it's like, you know, kids need to be aware. And, you know, one of the messages that we like to to talk about is just watching the game, watching hockey, be a student of the game. Like you talked about watching the Americans growing up playing like you learned so much from just watching. And most of us hockey guys are visual learners anyways
2: yeah for sure and that's why the, that's why there's that stupid video right like coaches use the video because it, it works it it works um yeah i don't like listen these kids are way more skilled than we ever were back in the day like what they can do with the puck uh how they can shoot it uh some of those skill sets um what
1: about 50 50 pucks
2: no, they, they're you know not you, there, they're, yeah, not, there. they're right. not there. It's a different generation. <laughs> they don't have that skill set. Yeah, that's that. what I'm saying. And that's a huge one. <laughs> oh, and, and like you said, like read and react, or 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 you know, just Anticipate. a simple yeah, making a read on a play, like where where guys are, what you're doing. You're one on four, and these guys are trying to stick handle through no. guys, and then they get blown up and they're they're going to the ref, like what? What happened? Well, mm. You had your head down. You cut to the middle. You had mm. no support, and you're going right into them. Like what?
1: Yeah, figure yeah, it. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's you, a fun you game just... to watch.
2: And they're skilled. They're very skilled, but <laughs> it's the the game is not like we we could play the game itself. Like those are like the shinny hockey guys, like in the summer that uh, they would dominate. But you put them in a real game, and they're invisible. You know, they're just able to kind of last a little longer nowadays.
1: Right, good right. point there. Yeah. No, it's just great, especially, especially when you're watching the NHL guys. playoffs, yeah. right?
0: Mott, like you, you know, you watch the NHL great. playoffs and and you know that what it comes down to is that compete level and who's gonna win those 50-50 pucks, not who's gonna toe drag and put it through somebody's legs. We're, yeah. we're we're seeing that firsthand right now. Uh but to you know, stay on track, like what was that that the the college obviously you talked about your junior career? what was it like for college? I know, you know, you talked about Farkas, um, you know, I know Marty Reisner was, was, you know, kind of an upstate New York type of guy as well. So what was that recruitment process like? Was it always BC or walk us down that path?
2: No, it was, uh, it was kind of up in the air and like, on um, like Western New York at the time, it wasn't the hockey hotbed that you guys grew up in, right? Like the games everywhere. Um, we had to find, College hockey. Like we had to go and seek it. And so that's kind of when my eyes were opened up to it, it was during the recruiting process. And, you know, I had a ton of attention. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to make all the USA teams growing up 15, 16, 17s and whatnot. Um, so it garnered a lot of attention. And so I had some good options. And I narrowed it down to five at the time because you could take five official visits. I ended up going on four of them. It was BC, BU, Vermont, um, Michigan State, and Denver. And I visited everyone but Michigan State, and that's because it fell after BC. And after I went to BC, I just kind of fell in love with what was – one, the guys that were there, two, uh, you know, the area, Boston itself, the campus. Um, it, just, it just felt like the right fit for me. And so the – looking back, there was a very fortunate to have that many options and go and visit those schools and have schools coming at you. And, um, you know, they, it's weird because if I sh- would have gone based on how teams were at the time, BU probably would have been the no-brainer. Michigan State might have been a no-brainer at the time. Um, BC really hadn't hit the map yet as far as on the national level, right? Like it just – It had been floundering for a bit. I don't want to say floundering, but it just wasn't the powerhouse that you think of it as later on. Um, And so it was just a feeling. It was just, hey, I like the guys that I was around on my visit. I have that feeling that good things are going to happen. And, you know, you just make a go of it. And uh, it was the the best decision I could have ever made because it was the best four years probably of my career uh those years at bc were were unreal like it's just a different animal it's it's not like pro hockey it's just it's much different
1: yeah that's an interesting thing like at 17 years old you don't really you know have the crystal ball but you made a gut decision you know i kind of did the same thing you need the the people that i didn't even play with kind of you know made me feel comfortable you know the, the program was still in flux a bit um but I can speak to it, you know, so I was there a year before you, and, you know, I don't know if they had enough in the budget, but, it, I mean, they had to build a special stick rack for them because <laughs> the stick was so short. <laughs> like, it fell, like, it didn't, it didn't
2: catch it up didn't with the big boy's sticks. All the, all the pegs were up here, right? Yeah. And so my stick couldn't reach the pegs, so it just <laughs> fell down. It just wouldn't. So, yeah, like, who pegs. Could,
0: whose kid keeps putting their sticks up here, yeah. Jesus <laughs>
2: Christ?
1: So, you know, th- that was one thing coming in uh, as a freshman, had the, uh, you know, the special stick rack, we we're like, oh, look at this guy, he has a special stick rack, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the phone books and the uh, and the changing, you know, the, yeah, and the changing you, stalls. You and guys it. tried everything. I mean, yeah, it's, I know. It's, it's, just, it, it's, a, it's, it's a too easy. It's
2: too short guy stuff, it's easy <laughs> for you, you know?
1: But seriously, we, uh, yeah, so we were under 500 my freshman year, and surprise, surprise, we have. You know, a very good recruiting class. You know, G leading the way. You got Bobby Allen, Mike Lephart, Rob Scuderi, Marty Hughes, Mark McLennan, um Sully, you know, yeah. Dan Sullivan. Yeah. And um, who's you, the other one? Did you
2: say Scuds? Did you say yeah, Scud's. Scuds? Yeah, yeah. Oh, There's
1: one more there in their class. Uh,
2: me, Bobby. Was Clemenson in there? Clemson. Yeah, Clemenson. Yeah, that was it. I was I mean, say that's so- a
1: pretty good recruiting class. Yeah. Uh, and we went to the yeah, national like championship see, the I, I next wanna, year.
2: I want
0: to see the scholarships, what were handed out in that right there. Like, that's in, incredible.
2: Yeah, I don't know how many, like back in the day, right? Like,
1: yeah, I think they I, I guess I before. wasn't I,
2: I was naive to that, right? Like I was on a full, but I guess I didn't really kind of understand that maybe not everyone was, right? Like it was just a different I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely there, there's
2: a lot of good players. I mean, you had Buck and like you had a lot of guys that went on to play pro hockey, you know, obviously we talked about Reasoner and then Mott's class of Belfay and Fark and himself. Like it's a lot of pro games in a few years there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know,
1: like it's under 500, you know, that year and then, you know, G and the crew come in, he's on first line with Reasoner and they just, you know, hit it off and go to the national championship game. So, we're talking about a very quick turnaround for, you know, a, a program that has, you know, since then really kind of been at the top, you know, of college hockey. Uh, and I think my reason was, you know, the main driver behind it. But then Brian Giannis coming yeah. in that next year was or two years after was, was very important for Jerry York and the, uh, the staff. That was <laughs> yeah. a, a big win in the recruiting battle.
0: Yeah, we're in model, Gianta, you know, sprinkled in with everybody else, I'll, I'll say.
2: I was going to say, it starts a few years before, but it just hits as we come through, right? Like it's that now you got three classes that have kind of recruiting classes have taken off and been good hits for you. And it just it all came together. That was that year that we lost in Boston. My freshman year was probably the hardest because that was the year it just kind of felt meant to be, right? It's in Boston. We're up on Michigan in the finals. It was kind of that Cinderella story. And to finish it off at the Garden, like, it would just. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, would yeah one weird. of the toughest losses for me, too. But, yeah, you know, as far as your career goes on, you know, you scored 30-plus goals uh, in three or four years. What happened there in sophomore year? You only had 27. Yeah.
2: Wasn't getting the puck from the demon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're spending too much time in the D zone. Yeah. <laughs> get down the other end.
0: <laughs> Jeez. Moss had a tough
2: Yeah, he had a tough year. He wasn't dishing,
0: <laughs> looking you off. He was being selfish.
2: Yes, you know, he was junior year, right? He's just trying to feel good about himself, skating up the ice, looking people <laughs> off.
1: Yeah, the, the the best part, like I think I told you this, uh, BY, I would get you know, whether it be a second assist or, you know, a primary assist from behind my old own goal line. The you old like the old Nick breakout assist. was,
0: you know, gee. <laughs> the, you Nick, the Nick pointing to Joe Thornton, wind it yeah. up.
1: I'm like, get, get some gas. I'll look the other way. And, you know, everyone knew it was going to him and he would just, you know, make something happen. So appreciate all those extra apples. You know.
2: <laughs> Hey, it was always good when I got the puck from you. Always good. <laughs> exactly
1: yeah there was and he was I mean, 7-11, so, always open yeah man <laughs> Beaver- <laughs> you everywhere. Back,
2: i was i was shooting it i was yeah, a shooter you know. if you're getting a pass it's off the goalie's pads like, yeah i'm if i'm in that slot there's not a chance i'm passing i'm shooting <laughs> that thing
0: <laughs> oh that's great uh but you know just to, to talk about it, i know you know the draft is kind of sprinkled in there what were that expectations like for you going through it
2: yeah, there again, it was a much different time. Like, I I have uh, Steve Bartlett as an agent and awesome guy. And he said, leading into the draft, so you're talking it was uh, freshman year, had a really good freshman year at BC. Uh, good team. I had good stats. Uh, yeah,
0: World 62 jun- points as a freshman's pretty pretty damn good.
2: World juniors, you know what I mean? Like, so you had a lot going. And that's why I say it's a different landscape because they said I could go anywhere between the third round and not being drafted at all, you know, and those guys are going, you know, top 10 nowadays, right? Like you have that kind of thing. You're putting yourself into that first round conversation. And so I didn't have much expectation come draft time. It was, it was kind of like the rest of my career, right? Like, Hey, if it happens, it happens. If not, I'm just going to have to go out there and kind of continue to work. It was, by no means was anything kind of expected. So it it was actually pretty fun though, because the draft was in Buffalo that year and uh, being from Rochester, that's really the only reason I was at the draft and the draft happened on one day. It wasn't split up into two days. And so there was, we were waiting there for a long time and we, I had a ton of family and friends there uh, as support because we were close and we just kept waiting and waiting. When that third round hit, and uh, you know New Jersey kind of called my name, it was pretty special. And it was even more special because back then, first rounders were the only guys that had their names on their jerseys. Uh, and I got down to the table, um, and New Jersey had my nameplate on the back of the jersey. It's uh, wow, you know, so you, you you knew that they really liked you and they really wanted you. And you know, it, it just uh, it meant a lot, right? Like you're a, a mid-level draft pick, but you know they had the the kind of love, I guess. I, I don't know what it is, but to to kind of know that I was their type of guy and they wanted to have a nameplate ready if they had the chance. So it was pretty cool.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, I was out at that draft. I, I drove out with Reasoner. And his, uh... He took
0: the he took the van. yeah
1: exactly no well reason had a a green caravan and he had this like little you know jerry rig thing where we could watch a movie on the way out too like those uh, old
2: like the big vans with like the little bucket seats in the back you could relax like those
1: no it was like just like straight you know like Like just a real minivan
2: minivan. yeah
1: yeah so mr reason was uh kind enough to leave it for him one time and you know during the summer we drove out and he was like talking to st louis about signing and whatnot and we went out and um, had a time and enjoyed the, uh, I was so pumped for you though, know, you know, and just sitting in the stands and, and hearing your yeah. name called, it was yeah. so funny, because you did have a whole chairing section, so like, yeah, like yeah, I a did. few family and friends, it was like a whole <laughs> section <at> the, <laughs> in Buffalo.
2: It's an hour down the road, man, like they were yeah. there, I'm glad it worked out, <laughs> because it would have been bad if we didn't get yeah. drafted. all right what are we doing tonight yeah Yeah, exactly
0: no that's great and you know i just to wrap up before we get into the pro stuff can you talk about just getting rid of the dead weight and mots and and you know finally um winning that national championship at bc
2: yeah for for my class uh it was a tough right i mean i don't want to say tough like we the four years we went to four frozen fours we lost in the finals two out of those uh three Previous years, and so your senior year, you're walking in a national championship game, and you you've been there. You've been there three times. This is your third time. You haven't won it for our class. It was just one of those things that we just had to kind of plow through and, and figure out a way how to win. And I think it comes down to those previous years and experiences that uh, that kind of haunted us. Um. You know, our lead up into the championship game, we played the three schools that we had lost to the previous three years that had knocked us out. And, wow. you know, we were up again against North Dakota, and they they end up tying the game late with the goalie pulled under a minute, I want to say. I don't know the exact time. But I, I our center, something happened, and I was taking the face off. Uh, with 30 seconds left, goalie pulled, and they score, tie the game up. And, you know, to be honest, we come back in the locker room and our classes. – I'm the captain at the time. And, you know, kind of the mood early on was like, oh, man, here we go again. It's going to happen again. And we kind of had to shake our heads and get out of it. And I think Husey might have been one of the ones that stood up and, you know, was like, listen, this is not – it's not going to happen again. Like, we've been through this. We've seen this happen. Um, we got to find a way in this like intermission to get ourselves, dust ourselves off, pick ourselves up, and get out there and, and find a way to win. And you know, obviously, we had some skilled guys, right? Kobasu and Kalanos and those guys, and that's who connected on the final overtime goal against North Dakota. And it was just, it was just a huge, huge. It's, it's, it's a dream come true to win a national championship. To win anything, it's, it's pretty special. But it was, it was pretty cool the way it kind of all played out.
1: Yeah, and you no, you won the amazing. beam part that year, too. I just re- yeah. I remember, uh, you know, being able to get back. I was in Hartford and being able to watch that. You know, being one year removed, it was, like, bittersweet to see, you know, that type of stuff for from, from me personally. But it was so exciting for you guys. Like, you know, I was so excited. And um, Yeah,
2: for sure, man. I get yeah. that, too, right? It's like, It was your team. You, you feel just as much a part of that team, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you're watching from the outside. It's got to be tough.
1: Yeah, but like BY said, the, the dead weight was just dragging down those yeah. championships. <laughs>
2: the, the, the Hobie Baker winner from the year before was dragging us down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Well, the thing uh-huh. was, and, you know, you know, just for our listeners, like back then it wasn't like, uh, as, like say, structured with like the final three, you know, hat tricks. They had a top 10, and I had two of my teammates, Jeff Farkas and Brian Gianta, in that top 10. So unbelievable number one to have. You know that many players nominated um, for the award, and again, I I'm just you know very fortunate to be able to push the park to better players, right? And <laughs> I think I, they, they split the vote on you guys. And they were like, "I will, right, well, we will just give it to Mott's instead of like splitting the vote <laughs> between Giant and Fargas." But you should have won three of them, kid.
2: <laughs> no, but no, it all works out, buddy. It all works out.
0: Exactly. Just- exactly um well you know talk about that transition now you know going into you're drafted by new jersey you play your four years um you know you, you go out of college hockey on top a national champion a beanpot champion what was that transition to pro hockey like um starting your career in the the american league and and moving on
2: yeah so there again i keep coming back to it but it was different like i hadn't gone to an nhl camp Now college guys can go to a camp. Um, They can go to a dev camp and get a feel for it. So coming out of school, it was my first training camp, and there were no rules. So I reported August 1st for like a six-week pre-training camp kind of young guys being there. And we trained basically three times a day. Like you went in, you skated, you lifted, you left for – Lunch, you had like an hour or two lunch break, came back to the rink, did another like accessory workout, uh, or run, whatever it may be. And then we trained actually with uh Burray, uh, Mr. Burray, um Vladdy. Vladdy. Oh, wow. He he trained us our small group, and so then we would do the second workout or whatever it was, run, and then he loved tennis so much. We would go, he would bring us to the tennis court and we'd play tennis. And so this was 6 weeks of this like non-stop like basically 7 days a week. And so that was a like a real eye opener to like okay, this is like gotten real serious real quick. But I was coming into a, a very established team at New Jersey Devils had won in in 2000 uh, um, yeah, they won in 2000 they they uh in 01, they lost in the finals. You know what I mean? And so I'm coming right. into a team that had won two cups in six years and been to the finals another year. So you had Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer in that room. Um, I had to find a way to to make myself fit in, and um, I did. I went to the minors until probably Christmas time. I got a call up because Pando, Jay Pandolfo, was hurt. Uh, so I, I got a three-game stint there. Uh, got sent back down and then got called up maybe two, three weeks later. And that was it. That was a uh, uh, NHL bound from there. But you, you had to find a way to adapt. I had been the lead power play guy, the, the point guy at BC for four years. And I got to New Jersey and those guys were there and they're hall of fame guys, right. you're not knocking them off their perch. So I had to, I had to, come up with a way to stay in the lineup and it was on a checking line with Pandolfo and Madden who were the same college players that had stat after stat in college and we're, you know, a checking line, third line, fourth line checking line in the, in the NHL now, but it taught me the game. It, it taught me a different side of the game. And I think towards the end of my NHL career, it came back to that where, you know, I went through the offensive years and then, you know, it kind of came full circle and was expected to kind of be that checking guy again towards the end of my career. So I appreciate the lessons that I had to kind of learn to break into the league, uh, in order to stay there, I had to adapt.
1: That's great stuff for just, you know, we, we talk about trying to, you know, play different positions, understand file away information, you know, what you can add value to a team. If you aren't on a top line or, if you are playing less minutes than you want to, like you have to be a valuable, you know, asset to the team. The coach wants to have confidence in you, like whether it be wall play, just decision-making. Even though you might have a little bit more to give, you want to be able to understand that. And that's just like the processing part going back to it. But I wanted to mention, you know, I the, you, you talked about like a very veteran late in uh, New Jersey Devils lineup. Was there one in particular player that kind of, you know, pulled you aside, kind of showed you the ropes a little bit on the ice, off the ice, around the rank. You know, you talked about like that structure of being a pro and I, you know, I've been, I was there with you. You know, it's very, you know, structured and either there's no gray areas, either you're in it or you're (laughs) out of it. Yeah. (laughs) And it won't be there. But was there anyone in particular when you first, you know, showed up that kind of grabbed you and was like, Hey, you know, gee, this is kind of what we, uh, we want to do and how you should conduct yourself.
2: Yeah, I mean it was it was more I mean no one kind of you were following the way I am, right? I was I was kind of sitting back and watching and and kind of sitting in a corner and keeping to myself and trying to figure out what was going on for a little bit. And then uh and all great like Broder Stevens, Niedermeyer, like all these guys were great guys, Pandolfo and and Gomez and Mad were younger guys on that team. They'd been pro for a few years, um, but they were definitely younger. But when we made the trade for Noondyke and Langenbrunner was a huge thing for me because Noondyke really kind of took me under his wing and kind of brought me out of my shell, my pro shell, and just kind of you know gave me the confidence to be me. And BU in New Jersey is a different type of you, right? Like you – it's it's definitely structured and no facial hair, buttoned up tight all the time with your tie on. Um, but I, I think just that, like, you know, a guy, a Hall of Famer, that status taking you under his wing, you know, he's bringing you to the card table. He's, he's opening it up to different things uh, that you were kind of sitting back and reserved about when you first came in as a young guy. Uh, so that kind of, you know, helped get me connected a little more, I would say.
0: Oh, that's great. That's a great answer. And and obviously learning from Hall of Famers is always a good thing. Um, you know, and then, you know, talk about that, that, that Stanley Cup run, you know, what was that like? Um, that experience, obviously, I remember watching it and it just amazing and, and you playing such a big role in it as well.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. Like, I mean, it's a, it, it's not easy and it happened early in my career where you really don't have a pre appreciation for how hard it is to freaking win and mm. how hard it is to get through a playoff series, how hard it is to like stay on top. And so it was, it, we had, it was Boston I think in the first round and we knocked them off in in five games went into Tampa and knocked them off um, in five. And then we went into Ottawa uh, against the president trophy winners of the Sens. I mean, they had everyone back in the day, like that was their; Those were their years that they were dominating Alfredson and all those guys there. Heatley. Um, And we knocked them off in seven. Uh, We were, we were, battle is, is game seven on the road in Ottawa and side story to that is uh, uh, good for some of the younger listeners not to worry about some of the small stuff we come out we're going to the game game seven conference finals in Ottawa and we have no bus our bus is broken down so we in the NHL you take the nice coach buses to the game so our bus had broke down and around the corner comes a yellow school bus to pick <laughs> us up to bring us to game 7 of the conference finals. So no got way Broder, Broder, Scott Stevens like all these guys sitting in a school bus, you know, with the little green seats, you know, like going down to game 7 against the Ottawa Senators and we ended up winning. Like it was just one of those things that uh and I think New Jersey was great with that that those little distractions, those little things that you can kind of be like hey, it's kind of setting you up for an excuse for not to win, right? Like, it's okay. Our bus broke down. Our trainers, I think, they left in a car earlier in a cab to go to the rink. Their cab got in an accident, so they were showing up late to the game. Like, there's all these things that you could have hung your hat on and said, hey, it's just not our time, right? Like, it's not meant to be. And we plowed through and got through that series uh, and moved on to – the Cinderella Anaheim Ducks at the time and Jaguar who had at had- least
0: the, uh, at least the windows in the school bus could open, you know, at least
2: if you're a little
0: nervous, you needed some fresh air, you
2: <laughs> get like a, a a little you window, like-, like a little quarter window open. Yeah. Just more <laughs> back into into like people going
1: by middle school spitballs. You know, balls. <laughs> <laughs> you go back and give Brodeur a wedgie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's wild sorry to cut you
0: off there
2: no you're good man like that's that's what it was it was we were dying we're like what are we doing and the (laughs) guys like i can't imagine now like is that 10 15 year vet jumping on a school bus i would have been what the hell are we doing right now like this is amateur hour but that's what that's how we got there and we made it work
1: it's a great life lesson like you just like you just said so what was the uh, your time with the cup like? You know, you bring it back to Rochester to Greece. You know, family friends. Any any cool stories uh, surrounding your time with the cup?
2: No, I mean it was it was we did a big public event uh, for some charity and brought it around to uh, the police station, the firehouse. We did all those things early on, and then it was basically a family party back at my parents. Uh, we grew up on the water, so we had the big party at the lake, um, and. I mean, I, there's a couple of stories around it. Right. And so the first one I'll, I'll share was new He, he has a cottage in Ithaca. Uh, he went to Cornell. So he had a cottage in Ithaca in the summer. And so that's where he was having his cup party. So I was getting it the day after his cup party. So he calls me around two thirty in the morning. I'm supposed to get up and going by like nine, you got your public event scheduled, you know, for ten o'clock. Like you got, you got your whole day planned out. He calls me at two thirty. Gee, buddy, the cup's not going to make it there tomorrow. We got a little out of hand. It's broken. They got to go repair it. You know, so it's not getting to you. So hopefully, you don't have too much planned, but we'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure it out. And so he's it's two thirty in the morning. He's celebrating the cup. He's he's tuned up pretty good. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, Mr. Joe, sure, Mr. Noondike, whatever. If it gets here, it gets here inside. I'm like, what are we gonna do? And then like two, three minutes later, he's like, ah, I'm just messing with you. I'll be there in a few hours, buddy. So. <laughs> but you're the young kid, right? So you're like, all right, whatever, uh, whatever. All right, sorry. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully your party was good. Dude. Yeah. I
0: just ruined the entire town's day that everything planned. Oh, that's hilarious.
2: Yeah. And then I would talk about like that curse and I don't believe in it, but it is kind of funny. So at my cup party as young kids would have been my brother and Ryan Callahan. Uh, He's a Rochester kid and Mm -hmm. they, so I would have been 23. They would have been 17 year old kids probably at the time. And you know, they're loving the cup party. They're handling the cup. They're drinking out of the cup. They're doing everything out of the cup. And sure enough, no those two win. guys, those two guys, go to the finals, and both of them lose in the finals. Like, I don't know, man. I don't believe in the curse, but those two might have been cursed by it. At <laughs> my my cup my cup party might have ruined the Rangers and the Devils' future cup wins.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh. That's, That's hilarious. Um, that is funny. Uh, yeah. You know, we obviously, it's so much to talk about. But, you know, talk about the, the the transition. Obviously, you had a great career in New Jersey and a lot of scoring years and playing with guys. But we don't want to keep you all night, so we want to touch on as ma- much as we can. But what was it like, the transition, going to Montreal, obviously, you know, becoming a captain? Uh, you know, I think what the second American-born captain of the Montreal Canadiens, original six franchise, like, what was that experience like?
2: it was awesome. It was those five years in Montreal were some of the funnest times we had just because of the atmosphere around the team, right? The city, uh, what they pour into their, their Habs and the, the city, the media, everyone was great to me. Like they were super welcoming. Uh, they treated me like gold. So I, I, loved my time in Montreal. I know it's a super hard place to transition to. It's a super hard place to kind of play. I was lucky to, to one, have the support and to go there when I was a little older and when I was a little more mature. Mm. Um, I think that certainly helped being eight years into your career, seven, eight years into your career, going to a city like that with the pressure that is surrounds it. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it would have been the same experience if I went there as a young kid. So, um, We were, we were scared. We were, we, we did not want to leave New Jersey, my wife and I, and uh, we had our young kids at the time, two young kids at the time. Um, It was a tough transition at first because it's, it's all French and it was overwhelming for the kids at school when they go there. But to be honest, it was one of the best lessons that we've ever had in life. Um, It put us out of our comfort zone and, and we grew as people and the kids grew and uh, we're much better for our experience in having to go through that. I, I wouldn't be the same person. My kids wouldn't be the same person if I spent their whole whole career in New Jersey. And so, I'm I'm very fortunate that we had our time in in Montreal. It was uh, it was life changing for sure.
0: Did you have to learn how to speak French to like talk to the media and stuff like
2: right away? Uh, what was that like? Yeah, like it was it was. So we had a tutor. Me and my wife hired a tutor to come to our house the years that we were there. And I told the media early on, like I said, I'll kind of shoot the shit with them behind the scenes and and talk French to them. But anything on camera, anything that's like on record or whatever you want to call it was always going to be in English because I didn't want to be misquoted, especially in a city like Montreal. Um, And so they were super appreciative that I I was trying to learn their culture and trying to speak it to them and, and for them. Um, But I I think they also gave me the respect that they understood where I was coming from, that I didn't want to do it on camera. So, um, you know, it was a mutual respect type of thing going back and forth. And so I'm appreciative for that because I've had teammates in Montreal that haven't had the same experience with the media or the fans. And, uh, you know, it's ruined guy's career. Like Gomer, one of my, you know, longtime teammates on multiple teams, uh he had a tough goal in Montreal he if you talk to him his time in Montreal was going to be way different than talking to me on it so Mm -hmm. um I, I was fortunate though
1: yeah I mean as far as they love when you can try and you know your game and your personality you know lends itself to just you know respect is really what it is they have respect for your game your person and um How's how's Harvard's, uh French? Do you guys ever just keep it hey, going no, at it, home?
2: Oh, no, we've lost the whole of it now.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we Maybe tried, get, but,
2: but all the communic- yeah, all the communication would come home from the kids' school in French, so you get a printout. So oh yeah, like, had to, like I I could read it way better than I could speak it. Just right, it, you had to figure mm-hmm. out what was going on. It was a it was a definite culture shock, but in the best of ways uh, later on because that's. That city is one of the best cities out there, like yeah. restaurants, food, bars, like just atmosphere around the city. It's just – it's a, a, a place to be.
1: And I remember, um, I think it was a January game when we were playing in Jersey together, um, I it must have been like 08, 09 or something, but they overtook us for first place in the Eastern Conference, and for the last like three, three and a half minutes, they were just whistling, cheering, like extremely – passionate about you know (laughs) taking us over you know just flip-flopping you know we're going and guys who had won the cup gee you were one of them but uh, i think madden was the other one it was louder in that building on a regular season game than when you guys won the cup in 03 at home
2: no doubt no doubt like it was just on a random tuesday wednesday night (laughs) exactly Bell centers louder than it was for stanley cup game seven you know i mean in 03 and it's just that's what it was, like anytime you walked out of that tunnel at the bell center, it didn't matter. you got that energy, you felt it, you felt it as visiting players mm-hmm. too, like it was just it was a great place to play,
1: an unbelievable play little uh movie. what were those little hot dog things called, yeah, yeah, they're pretty <laughs> <good>. <laughs> in the visiting
2: <laughs> so, walk of you just, yeah.
1: one time it was just like, yep, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like pigs in a blanket or something, yeah,
2: no, right. they were bigger, but like they're like the it's like a regular uh, like slice of bread that is like their hot dog rolls there. And the, the hot dogs are like, they're not like the pigs in a blank. They're a little longer, but they're skinny like that. It's just like a little.
1: <laughs> I forget what they were called, but they're just delicious. Yeah, <laughs> And I don't even like hot dogs, but I, I, <laughs> I had like probably about 12 of them after a game. <laughs> well,
2: it was like anywhere, right? You go to Philly, you get a cheesesteak. You go there, you get the hot dogs. Like yeah. each city had a little little something to get
0: oh that's awesome uh what was that transition like going to to you know back kind of home to buffalo right where it all started and you go home um you know named again captain of the team like what what was that experience like and being able to play in front of your hometown team
2: super uh enthusiastic to start like it was i was a veteran guy and thought i was coming to buffalo to kind of make a change and and help turn a franchise around and um it signed a three-year deal and it just, it never, it, it just wasn't the right timing. Uh, loved playing in Buffalo. I still live in Buffalo. Uh, love the Sabres, but the the organization was in such turmoil at the time that we just never got our footing. And so the hockey side of it was super hard um, because you're coming from winners, right? You're coming from New Jersey where you'd won in Montreal. We had made it to two uh, conference finals. And so uh, and that was the year, the year before I signed in, in Buffalo. We had gone to the conference finals, and that's when Rangers and St. Louis uh, beat us. And so you, you've been around good organizations and, and teams that had chances to win, and we just weren't there yet. So it was, it was super frustrating trying to break through kind of that culture. Um, and now, you know, things in Buffalo are, are dynamite. Like what they have going yeah. on here now is, is unreal – and that's what the hope was at the time. It just took longer than than I had hoped, and so those three years were were pretty frustrating on the hockey side. Uh, being around it the right way for so long, when things weren't going the right way, it was it was frustrating to kind of to see it happening and, and try to stop it. Uh, but there again, it's it's another lesson. Uh, you know, you got to find ways to to get through and and in times of like that you know find a way to make a difference even though things aren't as positive and you're walking off and you're not winning things aren't going your way um you know i learned a lot about myself and and some teammates and how how to help get things out of that and so uh it was certainly growing years but it was just frustrating at the same time
1: Mm. yeah you know as far as like the the different experiences that you've had you know it kind of shapes you as you know a player a person you know as a coach you know with, with the kids um, what about you know the transition from having you know a roommate consistently to not having a roommate because we were roommates yeah. at world world championships two years. <laughs> and this kid brought his Game Boy and <laughs> I was like, oh dude, I gotta try and so we were competing about who could get the highest Tetris, you know, like the. Was that? Block.
2: I didn't forget the the game we were playing back then? Yeah, those things like, were sweet at the time. I know those they were cutting sweet. eggs, man.
1: <laughs> no,
0: but just as, as far that before as- then, before everybody else, I remember when my that, brother we, made it. It was those the PS. Uh, no, this yeah, was old it was school. Game those. Boys. That's
2: like the old school yellow. or oh, yeah, 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 Game boys, you know what I mean, like. Right, and then we had the PS whatever they were like PSP the- PSP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was the precursor to those. Yeah, yeah, so we had some the- good times at the World Championships.
1: Yeah, two college because so- they put put each you know put a, uh, us together, and then I don't I think yeah it was the two years right. So yeah, I was like a junior. you yeah. a sophomore, and, yeah. and then a junior, right? My, yeah, after my senior. So we went to Norway and and Russia. Was that it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We had but Russia. yeah. Anyway. Um, um, so th- th- this guy, uh, you know, definitely had, you know, blown up the bathroom a few times, and, <laughs> and, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's unbelievable!" Uh, and it wasn't him. And we all we all know the the guy. So, so we
2: went. We went. Did we we went. We had a nap, and we woke up to this floater that had been sitting there for a while, and we each blamed each other. Yeah. And sure enough, during the game, so we go play the game that night.
1: Gee, you scored!
2: I, I was gonna say someone scored. I you scored. we all together. Scored, so I scored, and it's another former. He's a Boston guy. Like you, you gotta sure. know who
1: it is. Be well. and
2: he comes. He comes into the pile after scoring. We're all. He's like, it was me. I left it in your toilet. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> no way, Sully. Yeah.
1: Oh, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, Because well, no, we left our door open. I, I don't even think yeah. we were napping. Like, you know, like we we're you're reading or like listening to like uh headphones and you yeah. know, I was playing Tetris or whatever it was. And he just I used, think we were in Russia. We were, we were Sally just up
2: a deck. Yeah,
1: yeah, oh, big time. <laughs> That
2: was hilarious. <laughs> but but like, like, how he told us was unreal. It was or, me, like in the pile. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, oh, hilarious! Typical BU guy. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah, that's why we went to BC. Uh, <laughs> get away from guys <laughs> like that.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's unbelievable. Mot, um, so we want to get into Olympic stuff like that. Or, or I know we've taken up a lot I of know, your, we, your time, we, bro. We could go on for I for know. days here, and we 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 should talk about what you're doing. Let's get into what you're doing now. I um, mean, so yeah, like
1: just breeze over a couple Olympics. It's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. Only a couple. You only, yeah, yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no I, I, mean, but, my,
2: I can. Like my last year was pretty fun. It was a unique experience. So the Bruins wanted to sign me after the Sabers, and we thought about it long and hard. Called the realtor in, in Boston to look for a place for the year, and then just had a talk with with Sweeney, And I just I didn't feel right moving my kids you know, at the tail end, 17, 18 years into my career, moving them for a, a one-year stint. Um, and so we ended up having the opportunity to play for the Olympics that year and worked out a deal with with the Bruins uh, that I would sign right after the Olympics and kind of have my last hurrah with a with a good team and and try to go out on top with, with on a winner. So that was my final year pro uh olympics in south korea and then you know basically flying home as quick as possible to get to boston to join the bruins at the deadline uh going down that the a cup run and it just didn't work out but man did i love that little time i had with the bruins and the organization there like nothing but first class and i i don't know if i'm invited to alumni stuff or not but it was (laughs) was still worth it
1: I, i know a couple guys no. i don't know I, I don't know if you can keep up All right.
2: All right. I'll, get, I'll try to get myself back in shape
1: <laughs> yeah
2: no like bob
1: sweeney was always like mart you're playing too hard you're playing too fast you got to know this alumni thing so he really coached me up to like slow my game down when i was, and now i can't even get back up to speed so it's great no but absolutely they would love to add you to the list and um you know for the big games like you know come in and we'll have a chance to pass the puck around one last time or yeah again. i still
2: got my bruins gear but i can wear it like it's all right <laughs> i don't have to wear the other team so. Almost, i know i played for the half for a long time but like i still think that there's some people that like me in boston yeah. Oh,
0: absolutely the impact you had here in your college career and the end of your career kind of back where it all started and, you get Mott stopping behind the net over at Warrior in a nice alumni game and collecting <laughs> yeah. second assists again. Second assists.
1: Hey, they all add up. You know, they all yeah. add up. Absolutely. Couple, couple of apples, no big deal. Exactly. Uh, so talk
0: about you know just to wrap up here, uh, and obviously I'd love to sit here and chat with you for, yeah. for four hours, but um, you know what's the wh- what are you up to now? With the kids, are they playing. You coaching. What are your thoughts on the youth hockey world? Uh, Get let's get Ooh, into a, it.
2: That's a whole I mean that that, that could be a whole nother <laughs> episode. Exactly. No, it's I've been coaching since I've been retired. My oldest son, he's an old five. So Adam and Rye are uh yep. they used to be buddies. Um haven't seen each other in years. I mean, yeah, because they were when's that they were just together a couple years ago at right. one of the BC stuff, but right um he I've been coaching his team, the old five junior sabres for the last few years and Next year, he's going on to play in the North American uh, League, so it's fun to watch his journey kind of go through that. Um, but youth hockey is broken as as it can be. It's just uh, it's frustrating to to watch it happen, and you try to make an impact on the kids and the parents, and hope to touch as many people as you can, um, and that as many people are are open to be in touch. Right? Like it's 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 a uh, they're very closed off, and and uh, they kind of know what's going on, and and think they they know what they need to do. And it's just about slowing down and letting these kids be kids and progress along the way they can, and support them along their dreams, and and kind of not push them through their 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 process. And so I've loved to be a part of my son's my older son's uh, process. I'm still in it with the, my younger one, James, who's 11, um, but he's just in you know, youth hockey here in Buffalo and uh, nothing too serious yet at 11. It's, it's still fun for them and uh, getting better every, every time he steps on the ice. And so I think my main message to youth hockey would be that is just to kind of slow it down, enjoy the journey uh, and worry about getting better day in and day out and not worry about uh, what's happening. And there's so many reasons that you can point to social media and the pressure of, of these kids thinking they got to commit by the time they're 13, 14 years old, that kind of mentality. Um, everyone develops at a different stage. Everyone develops at a different rate and it's okay to go in and to college older. And It's okay to be a division three player. It's okay to be a club player. Just love the game. And I think we've lost some of that. Like everyone wants to, everyone, everyone dreams to be pro. Everyone dreams to be college, which they should, but everyone thinks that they need to otherwise they're a disappointment or uh, like their, their game is what they're getting out of the game is not great. Right. So I think for me, bring the game as far as you can love it. And if it's club hockey, great. If it's division three hockey, which is great hockey. Great. If it's D one, go enjoy your journey. Um, Stop expecting the game to, to give you stuff. Just enjoy it along the way. That's
1: yeah, great. It's great stuff, man. Great message. We talk about that a lot, but you put it uh you kind of nailed it, you know, with uh kind of encapsulating, you know, the parents, the, the the journey, staying in the present, you know, like all the really good stuff that um, you know, it it's easy to say, but it's very tough to do when there's all these external pressures, like you said. So yeah. that's um yeah.
2: That's really and, and great. I, it's you know. great. My perspective has been great, too, because I've coached. I'm coaching, but I also have a son that that's going through those same things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's not seeing his name listed on social media. He's not seeing his name drafted in the USHL, you know, and he's looking at his buddy next to him that he's just as good, if not better than. And so it's just, you know, it's it's they have to deal with a lot. Right. These kids. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to us to kind of make sure that they're just worried about getting better every day, worried about loving the game, worry about the teammates, the drive with your parent, you know what I mean? The the hotel stay with your teammates. Like, that's the stuff you remember. You know, you don't remember, hey, you know, like it's for me and it's easy for us to say because we've been through it, but I, I think that's one of the messages I would continue to try to hammer the parents and kids is just – Love being with your kids and and watching them do what they love to do and stop screaming at them from behind the glass and coaching. There you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And what's the princess up to? What's Leah up to?
2: She's – so she's soccer. She's uh, all soccer. She's – she just turned 15, so she's finishing up her freshman year of high school. Uh, Good little soccer player, but she's on the tail end of – uh, she tore her ACL eleven months ago, so she had her surgery eleven months ago, and so it's been a it's been a battle for her this past year, and um, super hard to watch as a parent her go through the the mental grind of that. And um, but you know, proud that you know she's killing it every day. And there's good days, and there's there's some really bad days, but it's okay to have those. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to you know, not everyone is perfect. Not every day is perfect. It's okay to kind of, to have those days. And so, um, you know, for her and for things like that, hockey players, right? Like it's okay to, it's okay to not be at your best. It's okay to be vulnerable at times. It's okay to, you know, uh, question things and, and be nervous about things. And it's okay to just have some badass days. It's okay. Uh, but you know, she's killing it. She's, a hard injury to come back from but she's killing it
1: that's great you get three good athletes uh, as long as they're taking after mom that's what we, we're yeah, here, exactly so. that's good yeah, make sure you tell harvest and the kids i want to stay hello <laughs> i will buddy oh uh, brian
0: too. this is uh phenomenal obviously we're you know we can like i said i'd uh, love to sit here and talk even longer but with uh you've been so generous with your time so thank you very much great stories uh great messages we really really appreciate it and uh, i was a you know You're always a guy that we, you know, that me personally looked up to, watch and play and loved the, the, you know, rooted for. And, and, you know, it's been uh, great to have this conversation with you. So thanks again for taking the time. Thanks,
2: guys. Yeah, I I appreciate it. We'll have to get out there and uh, get out east and get together with you guys. Yeah, Absolutely. play a
1: little golf, do uh, you know a little cookout,
2: you know, we, we yep. can uh, we can do I'll be do up anyway.
0: I'll be up your way this uh, this fall. I uh, I'm pretty sure in you know one of those tournaments. I'm coaching a couple teams, so I'll be around <laughs> up you? there. All right, yeah. All right, yeah. grab
2: my number from MOTS. Just shoot me a text. I will, so I will definitely,
0: together. definitely. Right, awesome. Bro. Thank you very much. All
2: right. See ya.
0: That interview with Brian Gianto was brought to you by TSR Hockey. Located in tax-free Salem, New Hampshire, where you can stock up on all your equipment needs. TSR does everything in-house, CCM, Bauer, all the big-name brands, you name it, uh, all their embroidery and printings also in-house. You can reach their team store at 603-912-5970. Ask for Micah Dave. Make sure you tell them the Rink Shrink sent you. You can also use their website, TSRHockey.com, where they'll take care of all your shopping needs. Uh, obviously, Mott's, they, uh, you know, they're, Big in the swag game if you want to reach out to um, Mike or Dave and, and get your team looking fresh next season.
1: But they do a great job in the store and online. Yeah, they're, they're great guys. They, they're hockey guys. They understand what the kids need now. They have a great selection at the store and online. So make sure you check them out at TSRHockey.com.
0: Uh, Mots, I was really impressed with uh, you know your 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 former teammate, college teammate, and professional teammate Brian Gianta. I I never got the chance to meet him, uh, even though he you know he was in the Boston area quite a bit. But really impressed, awesome story. Um, obviously, complete phenom of a player. I was a little like you know I, he was a guy that I really you know yourself and him and those teams like college hockey. That's what. You were that that next age group up, uh, up from us, and it was—he uh, was like a, you know, an unbelievable college player, and then an unbelievable forty goal scorer in the NHL, Stanley Cup winner. It was like really cool to chat with him.
1: Yeah, and, and the, going back to him when he was sixteen years old, he had this like just fire. You know, you, you, you think, yeah. oh, this little guy, or whatever, but he just was skilled enough. You knew it, He you knew. You know, you couldn't really... Well, you didn't know at the time, but you couldn't really get a good, clean hit on him. He was sturdy on his skates, worked hard in the offseason. But the, the most impressive thing is he had, he didn't change as a person from, you know, when we were together at BC to to, to today, to now. To today. Today, Junior. So we, you know, just see like a good character person who had some great success at every level that he played at, and he still
0: yeah. drives around in the van that um, <laughs> his parents used to cut him around, and it's like it's like
1: old school in that van. Oh, that thing was nasty, but <laughs> it just it just shows the the commitment level um, of his dad. You know, just a you know small business owner that committed himself to making sure he was at every game, and he drove, and it was uh, impressive to see. Oh, I forgot to ask him actually. Shoot, they I think that in two thousand one. Um, sam his dad was said to the boys that if they win the national championship he'll shave his beard or they could shave it and really he the, yeah he had a beard forever i'm not sure if it happened or not shoot we'll have to we'll have to uh find out i just shoot a text yeah because he's um yeah j- again he was great his mom was great uh And, you know, those times on the road when you're young, you know, with uh, playing in the world championships, championships, it was great to have like a familiar face and someone that you can lean on. And then being in pro, it's not often you get to play with one of your best friends, um, you know, playing at the highest level and, you know, kind of leaning on each other there too. You know, he had been established when I got there and uh, really took care of uh, me, Courtney and the family. And, um, you know, we couldn't thank him enough, but I was pumped to have him on because he is just like a solid and you can tell him in, in the interview no you can
0: tell in the interview and then i like i said i talked to um brennan buckley this week, and he was telling a story about when he was coming in as a freshman buck was what a junior that makes yeah. sense so yeah. buck was a junior and he said captain's practices uh no i'm sorry proud of the season you know and this is before social media and everything so y- you guys really didn't know much about the recruiting classes right just like oh you know or whatever whatever the high porch, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, USHR that had just come on the scene when I was getting there, but yeah, whatever you read, right? And that could be you couldn't you didn't see much live in the tournaments and things, people weren't traveling as much as they do now. But um, Mike Kavanaugh, obviously assistant and uh now head coach down at UConn, but he was like, Buck, Buck, wait till you see this kid, he's unbelievable, and yada yada And Buck's like, All right, yeah, yeah, just like everybody else, like you know, our last class had motto focus and and all these like how much better could he be type of thing and um and he said that the first i'm sorry is they came to campus and he's like cav like this is the guy. Like, you know, he's like, like, this is the guy. That's unbelievable. Like, he's five foot six, like a hundred and you know, fifty pounds. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, just wait, just wait. So you said the first captain, and, and you know, we were laughing about the stick rack like you brought up and everything. And then um, first captain's practice. Bucks ran into Cav afterwards, and Cav's like, How was he? And he's like, Yeah. I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Legitimate. yeah, he's legit. And that was one captain's practice. He was just like, wow, this kid can, this kid can play. And, you know, more or less, like he had one speed too. like just a determined kid. And you can talk, you, you can tell by the interview with him, like just super competitive. Um, you know, that's what I gathered, right. Uh, you know, The size wasn't going to be an issue for him ever was just going to compete and be a dog and love scoring goals, love being that guy. And, you know, even like Buck was saying, even captain tracks, like some of the older guys that were seniors on the team. Right. So like there was a little bit of a culture shift, as you've talked about, like get this. Pain in the you know what away from me type of thing, who is this kid? and next thing you know it's like, yeah, this is the kid that's gonna be on the foul play for the next four years and and gonna win us a national championship and eventually so uh it was it was we had some laughs over that, but it was it it was so true, and j- the timing of it worked out perfect, and you could tell it just by listening to him,
1: yeah, another uh cool story about mindset and determination um we were playing in the uh the Finals for Hockey East, and it was like a controversial. Like maybe the puck went in, maybe it didn't. It was like, you know, I don't know if there was any review or what, but it took a long time. And right off the next faceoff, he was lined up, and reason wanted to him came over the, the top and scored. And it's just like it was just great, you know. And then he's like, "Yeah, I just wanted to make sure they knew that one was in." <laughs> <laughs> That's unreal, you know. As a freshman, it was just he—he he was just an electric player, and um you know couple, 1D in particular, this kid, Robert Eck. He was a really big kid. Yeah, so he, yeah. He was talking, he Providence? He was at uh, Maine as well. Oh, um, man. But there was some highlight real goals that Brian Gianta scored, and he victimized this guy probably, you know, like five times. Like bad. And, you know, like one-handed goals, spinoramas you name it and you know hockey's like banquet and stuff like they're showing you know can find Brian yeah. Yeah. and like all his highlights are against this kid and then they're like oh you know like the main guys are like just ripping them <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh that's great really Funny. oh that's awesome awesome um all right, Mott. well, now it uh, it is time for the My Hockey Rankings question of the week, and this came in uh, via Instagram. So this is a quote, Ted, Ted Donato gives um, these to e- to each of his players. I'm giving each of my U18 players this book to help build team culture. Do, do you guys get any good books as players? And the, the one that Teddy Donato gives out is called Legacy, um, why, all, why the All Blacks Can Teach Us About, the business of life by James Kerr. And it's funny that Teddy gives that out. I remembered um, one of my brother's first year or two with the, with the Panthers. I think it was when Gallant was the coach. One of their, like the celebration, it looked like they were throwing around a, uh, a football, like, you know, to the player of the game, you know, how they, people give out the hats or give out the, whatever it is, uh, the, the belts they were throwing. They, they were throwing around every video. They're basically throwing the football. And I'm like, what is that? So I asked him, he's like, Oh no, you know, the, the, the coach, I believe um, I believe it was going at the time makes it made us all read this book. And then we got a, it's a rugby ball. It wasn't a football uh, and that's what they give out to their player of the game stuff. So, but, but Keith raved about the book uh, probably one of the only ones he ever read, but he uh, he did say it was fantastic. I know my father ended up reading it and uh, you know, no surprise that that Teddy uh, Donato obviously Maybe he was the first one to do it, or maybe he stole it from another coach. Which, yeah, hey, that's what a lot of us good coaches do—is steal from other coaches. Any yeah. bo- but any
1: books for you? Um, yeah, the, uh, Vin Magno, who was a big influence in my hockey career in seventh and eighth grade, eighth grade, gave everyone a hard-covered book called The Edge, and it had a bunch of stuff in there about, you know, character, discipline. Um, compete you know went down the list but it had uh stories behind it too of like it could be larry bird it could be magic johnson it could be you know uh, john madden a football coach or it went through like a bunch of different scenarios and and like how it related but it was like you know a nice glossy you know a lot of pictures so it was great yeah that's always nice but the you know the concept and the principle behind it is how you can apply all that stuff to to your person and to whatever game you're playing mm-hmm. and um i really you know resurfaced and um because i ended up bringing it in i gave it to coach Kavanaugh at uh bc and there's always like we did like a quarter of the day mm-hmm. he took it out of that book so it's uh it's called the edge um i should go see who uh who wrote it um but oh uh yeah it's it's one of the best my he gave one to my sister too yeah, oh wow she was around and you know doing some of that workout stuff you know the step aerobics yeah the old nat fee days <laughs> yeah but speaking yeah of, uh, speaking of Tony, yeah yeah he uh he took it upon himself to give each and every one of us that book and i still have it to this day no, that's good. I, I couldn't
0: really think of any when I was younger, and I'm sure I'm missing something. But I, I know that um, when I was playing in college and then in pros, I remember Dan Whitney gave me uh, this book called Hockey Tough, and it was more or less like you know going through the mental side of the game and giving players and coaches like you know food for thought and and, and talking about um, you know different skills and and you know, how to apply different things like mentally and physically and, and everything basically to your game. And I remember just um, that would be – it would almost be like my pregame nap ritual. I'd like read like, a, you know, a chapter. of You know, for me it was probably like a page because that's how like long like it takes Yeah, it, I played 162 games that year and didn't get to the end of the book. But um, – <laughs> No, I would read, I would read, you know, a few pages of it or a chapter or whatever and like kind of read it and just it helped like, you know, get my mind right or whatever and just think about the game and think about, you know, you make a mistake. How do you recover from mm-hmm. it? Right. Like all that type of stuff. So that was a good one. I mean, it, it's definitely still out there. You could probably buy it for five bucks or something, but maybe that's a tradition that we start doing with
1: uh, our teams with some of these younger guys. Yeah. No, I think it. I mean, it added value to me, and, you know, I still used it, you know, later in my career. You just, you know, you take a peek at it, you, and it brings you back to when I remember, like, sitting in bed, like you are saying, and just reading through it, making sure, um, you know, you, you try to translate some of those messages, and it was it was very beneficial for me.
0: No, it's good. Well, a good one for the uh, my hockey rankings question of the week, a little different than like rankings or everything. But this is yeah, yeah. uh, this is perfect. Get the mind going. And maybe this will be a new tradition that we can all start. And, you know, we'd have to probably read a book or two on our own, maybe something new to before we start giving them out to the kids. <laughs> Not just watching reruns of Red Sox games.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, the DVR is full, <laughs> filling up. Exactly. Uh, how about this Tempe, Arizona, before we go here, voting against the arena being built for the Coyotes? Like, where are they going to
1: go? Well, what is going to happen here? Yeah, that's, it's disappointing in Gary Bettman's statement. Even, you know, he's disappointed. The NHL is disappointed about the, the public vote. And, um, you know, it would have, I mean, from reading through it, it was, it seemed like there was a lot more than just a hockey rank, you know, there was going to be a big infrastructure, music venue, yeah, yeah retail yeah. shops, housing, uh, being able to employ over, you know, 69, 6,900 um, jobs, you know, and for local people um, empl- for employment. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot of positive stuff in, in that area, I guess, and I'm not real familiar with it, but. It was like an old landfill so it's kind of just like a decrepit area for you know for yeah Tempe. I don't know
0: what, I don't know what anything about like where it was in Tempe I mean I remember just being out there when I played there for a couple of years and, and one year I got hurt my my first year when I was hurt I did a lot of my rehab like right and right around the ASU campus um I forget what the name of the place was but right until like it was a it was awesome. Like, so if you imagine building a new arena with all that infrastructure and and bars and restaurants and mm-hmm. hotels right around there, like that would be so sick. Like, it would be unbelievable. It'd be a great place to play. Obviously, it's a really cool place to play. My brother uh, loved his time out in Arizona. I know most of the guys. And you look at the guys that stay there, right? Look at the growth of the youth hockey out there. Um, but where the hell are they gonna go? Like, who?
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, I saw
0: something about Utah. Maybe like that. Whoever owns the Jazz. I, I mean, this is like internet broomers. Who the heck knows, right? But no, oh, it's
1: got to be true then. That's, it's on the internet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, it's crazy. It's terrible.
0: It it just sucks for the Coyotes. You would like to say I'd really like to see them get it going there. I wonder uh, if they can appeal.
1: And, I don't know
0: yeah it's like a I, ticket just appeal
1: it yeah you know? i don't know I, I, you I got guess... 30
0: days to appeal
1: yeah we'll see i mean <laughs> yeah i i mean it would generate a, and would have generated a lot of revenue you know uh, and tax stalls for the for the community and i don't know I, I just the brief stuff that i read i mean you would think you know then people push back on like traffic and yeah whatnot but i mean what what else do you want here? You know,
0: exactly. That's crazy. Um, Mots, when your season ended, where was the first place you would go? Like, did you, did, you know, you got knocked out of the playoffs, any good vacation spots? Did you have a, a, a regular place that you would go? Well, no. you had so many kids. You were going to like probably Disney world. But we, we
1: did go down to Florida a couple of times. Uh, and then drove up to Disney, met up with right. Mike Rupp and his family. for oh, a couple yeah, of days. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, not too much. I mean, so in Jersey, we uh, we got bounced out by Carolina. Um, who else? Flyers and Rangers. But uh, so for three years, I mean, so early and the kids were young. If we came back home, like everyone's still in like school or, you know, and, right. the, and the season was still kind of spring, late spring. Um so I interned. I did some internships. I didn't even go away. <laughs> so, just a typical Mott's answer, right there.
0: I, know. It was know, I just hung out on the in the garage, mowed the lawn a couple of times. It was good enough. I'd rather I'd rather be there than go to Cabo or something.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, we never quit. I'm trying to think. Yeah, we just went to Florida a couple of times, but it was. Uh, uh, yeah, those internships though were, were good. good. Got me out and on the train at five fifteen, and you know into the city and back. Killed it. Killed Just a few AB, weeks. ABG kid always be grinding. Yeah,
0: rise and grind. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> all right, how long do uh, players stay off the ice uh, once their season ends? What's a typical answer? I think now it's changed a lot. I think so too um typically you yeah,
1: would I, typically you'd be like august now yeah, it's probably august like one for me um now it's probably the week yeah some guys you know i think it's personal preference now and, and some guys really do like to stay on the ice but not like taxing their body just kind of touching the puck maybe doing some stuff around the net some edge work um but yeah i think I,
0: it's I, a big that's a big mental thing especially even in the season i remember i was talking to um the Panthers equipment guy when we were down in Florida right at the all-star game. And they had practice uh, at the same rink we were playing at. And so say the all-star game with Saturday, Sunday was like an optional for um, the, I think Kachuk and um, Barkov played in the all-star game. So they could, they could have had the day off, but the rest of the team was due back. And Teddy was like, Oh no, the, the, um, you know, those guys will skate like they, they just like don't want to get out of rhythm and stuff. I'm like, God, you know, even if that was Keith a couple of years ago, he would have probably taken a couple extra days off, right? Yeah. He was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Keith would have. But I think a lot of it is like a mental thing for those guys just staying shop with their skills and stuff. So they probably don't. I bet nowadays there's probably some guys. It's probably more of the rarity to stay off the ice for a couple months versus, you know, at the very least, going out and working on the skills and and things like that.
1: Yeah, I think during the season, if you had two days off, that next practice, you felt like terrible. Mm. You know, the execution wasn't very good. Um, you know, you just it just you do your body gets into a, a routine and a rhythm and you do need your rest though. Um just to not put the equipment on sometimes. But yeah, I would I wouldn't really I would skate here and there throughout the summer, but more uh dial it in like august one right around august one and but trying to get in the best shape possible uh up until that point and then you start skating and you're like oh man this is the year it's not coming back because you just feel like terrible you know like you, you just can't you know you're not used to anything and you think you're in shape but you can't skating shape and in shape is two different things right so yeah it does definitely does translate after a little bit but that's we're that, not that saying we're not teams.
0: condoning this for young kids. This is for NHL players that just yeah. get through with their season. This is like, you know, those guys. Th- they're professionals, and they probably a lot of them do take some time off. But the younger guys do need to put the bags away, get away from the rink a little bit, and and enjoy some R and R. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Mott's Hot Trophy finalists. we we've gone through the awards. McDavid. Pasternak and Matthew Kachuk. Who do you got?
1: Yeah, they've all had great seasons, but McDavid was just head and shoulders. Yeah, as far as MVP. Yeah, I mean that's an easy one.
0: It's an easy one. Uh, Great seasons by all three. I I think if I was going to rank them, I'd go McDavid, Kachuk, Pasternak in that order. Yeah, Kachuk coming. I mean. Like he went down, dude. He carried that franchise for like a lot of the season. They battled injuries. And, and I mean, now we look what he's doing in the playoffs, but, um, he really was a big time. De- like if they didn't have him this year, they would have been in some serious trouble. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and that trade was, I mean, po- um, that's not like a knock on Posh the knock at all. Obviously, the guy was friggin'.
1: Yeah. I mean, Kachurk's more of a complete player, too. Um, I mean, that's just my opinion. Pasnot can score. He can score a couple different ways, but um, you know, he has definitely developed his game, his defensive side of it. Yeah. Kachuk, you see in the playoffs here, he just he's just a hockey player. He's tough to play against in all areas of the ice, has the skill to finish and make his teammates around him better, too. And also, you know, get under the skin of some players because he's not afraid to mix it up. Right. I like his game a lot. Uh, but you see that trade, it's like you know, Hubido didn't have a great, didn't have great success going to Calgary and uh, Kachuk, you know, was, you know, the same, if not better. I mean, with more responsibility, in my opinion. Yeah, no, Uh
0: yeah, no, great uh, great points. Obviously we'll see how uh Hubie and um and Weger bounce back up there. Obviously I've really liked watching those guys the last few years, but hopefully they can kind of turn around with the firing of uh Daryl Sutter. I think that might have been a major issue, right? Yeah. I mean
1: <laughs> not, not letting uh letting guys play and not grip their sticks when you're an offensive player, or even if you're a bottom six or you know, a bottom you know uh bottom 2 for a beat. bottom d yeah it's like you have you know this level of confidence in your game but then when it's instilled in the, by the coach you know there's still accountability but also you know you're not hearing it every time you turn the puck over like every single time you know it's you just old school and you know um has a shelf life no it does uh before we go here Franklin Sports is the
0: official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League uh check out their line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at franklinsports.com today um obviously the guys at franklin Motts, hopefully we can talk to them about maybe a new mitt for you for softball <laughs> season cuz that you know that time of year is is here as well but um you know great way to get off the ice work on your hands work on your you know target shooting all those things are uh Really, you know, great purchases for your uh, son, you know, you know, your young son or daughter that's playing hockey, and you can get them right at FranklinSports.com.
1: Yeah, get out in the driveway, right? Work Just on the uh, mittens, kid. Yeah. The, the the mittens, you know, the the stick handling tiles, you know, the like you said, the target shooting. Um, and we have ideas for it, you know, for you know these kids. Like you want to that default shot we talk about, you know, it's when you're under pressure, you have no time. What are you gonna shoot? It's your default shot. So if you're always consistently trying to go bar down, bar down, bar down, and you have no time, you're gonna shoot over the net. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you know, low block your low glove, five hole, good good spots to practice as a young kid.
0: That's what Pasta did. That's why he's a sniper, dude. Yeah, sniper sniper um well once again this was uh this was great really appreciate um brian gianta joining the show mott's great job grabbing him it was a long long overdue he finally you know got back to you on the text after you harassed him a couple times right yeah Yeah. but no that was uh it was a great interview yeah he haunted his house big time but it was great to track him down and have a good chat with him hopefully everybody enjoyed uh Thanks to everybody for uh, staying in touch with us and following us on Instagram and Twitter. Right, Instagram at the Ring Shrinks, Twitter at Ring Shrinks, and uh, keep that interaction coming. Next week will be a mailbag episode, so keep sending those questions in. We got some that we've, you know, had in the queue for a while here, but it takes. Uh, we can only get to so many each week, especially with us reading them um but we uh you know we like getting them so keep coming those keep those coming in uh short and sweet is uh and direct to the point so we don't have to edit too much of them Is always helpful and you can always leave us a voicemail at three four seven six shrink uh thanks to the sponsors sparks hockey tsr hockey my uh my hockey rankings and franklin sports and what do you say is it uh time to cue the rink shrink shuffle jersey or what